Hey y'all, this is Daniel Kyrie. I play Darren Ritter on Chicago Fire, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Please tell me next time how you feel. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome to episode 168 of Meet Us at Molly's, or should I say 168 Take Two? Yeah, 168B. <laughs> oh my god, you guys, we were so, like, we were not happy on Thursday night after we recorded a two hour episode for you guys, and the audio was shit. Yeah, and like an audio problem that very rarely happens to us. Normally it's like, okay, somebody forgot to plug in headphones and we didn't realize it, or like someone's mic wasn't, whatever. Like our fault. But this, I have no idea how it happened. Nope. 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 We have no idea. Nope. It's very frustrating when you like record an awesome two hour episode and then you go play it back and you can't use it. Yeah, and especially like at 11 p.m. Eastern too, and you're like, oh shit. Well, mm-hmm. this is not happening. So we're sorry about the delay, freaking audio issues, technology. We just did a test run on our audio for this episode and so far so good. So we're just going to keep our fingers crossed and let's go. All right. So as always, we like to start with the news. We do have a little bit. Um, The good thing about our episode getting pushed to Monday is that we can finally tease that this coming Wednesday, it's not just one Chicago Wednesday, but it's also one Chicago day. I'm really excited. I'm so excited. If you guys don't know, I mean, one Chicago Wednesday is like, that's the general like, hey, Wednesday, the shows are on tonight. One Chicago day is that day one time a year where you basically get interviews with the cast and, you know, there's basically a lot of stories coming out. It's it's a media day with the cast is what you get. In Chicago, typically. Typically, it's in Chicago in person. Obviously, that did not get to happen this year. So we did it virtually. And you will be able to see and hear everything this coming Wednesday. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was so much fun. It was awesome. We really enjoyed it. <laughs> So yeah. stay tuned. Two more days and we can finally talk about it. We couldn't talk about it last week. So, you know, we couldn't. We haven't been able to talk about it for a while. So. And that kills us when we have to do that. But we have to. Do we were that. like, oh, yeah. why? Yeah. So. All right. So aside from that, the first scoop we've got is from Matt's Inside Line. Actually, we've got, it's pretty much all from Matt's Inside Line because Matt's Inside Line was popping last week. Yeah, it really was. OK, so the first bit we've got from Matt's Inside Line Since NBC renewed Chicago Fire through season 11, will we ever get to see Sylvie be promoted to an ambulance commander since that is the next rank above paramedic in charge? She certainly deserves it. And that was from Bonnie. Bonnie doing the Lord's work here with like the hard hitting questions. I know. I love it. Also, it's still so weird to see like through season 11, like the fact that we're going to get season 10. And season 11, we already know that. It's still just like, oh my god. It's it's wild to me that we're even at season 9. I mean, just watching this show now, like, one of our friends is binging the show from the beginning right now, and, you know, she she just started season 2. And even when we're talking with her about that, just for us to stop and be like, oh my god, that was seven seasons ago. It's crazy. Yeah, it, like, took me a second. She said something about Heather, and I was like, who's Heather? And then it, like, took me, I was like, oh, right, Heather Darden. She's at the Darden voice storyline. Like, that's such a good one. Like, but yeah, it, like, took me a second. I was like, who's Heather? Well, and then when we get to 2022, Chicago Fire will be turning 10 years old. That's insane. Isn't it? Holy shit. I know. Damn. Bananas. It's just crazy. 
So the answer to this question was from Derek, and it basically Derek said, maybe. That has not yet come up. It's kind of like let's handle one promotion at a time on the show. Right now we're focused on whether Stella will make lieutenant this year, but Ambulance Commander Sylvie is a cool thought. Very much so. Yes, I love that idea. I'm yes. here for that. Yes. Brenda, take us through the next one. Okay, so the next question is from Cheryl, and Cheryl says, since Chicago Fire's Bowden is cheering on Ki- is cheering Kid on to take the lieutenant's exam, is there a promotion in his future? Again, everyone's sticking with this theme of promotions this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and Derek said, I think Bowden's pretty happy where he is. He ran for a commissioner a few years back, and that didn't work out so well. I think he really does enjoy being a battalion chief, and as a deputy district chief, you're more administrative and less out doing the calls and living in the firehouse. Um, he says, so I think Bowden wants to stay and get a lot of, and gets a lot of his energy off of being close to his men. Nice. Nice. Um, the last bit up is from Le, uh, Levan. Levan. I'm so sorry if I butchered that. I Levan, probably did. I think that's what Levan. Okay. So the question here was, is there any Chicago med scoop about anything but Manstead or Chexton? <laughs> Levan says, I've had it with their BS. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Accurate, yeah. So um, Andy Andy Snyder said, you know, there's going to be more with Maggie and the story with the foster son, Augie. He says, we're going to learn more about Maggie's past. We're going to sort of peel back the onion on who Maggie Lockwood is and what's driven her. To that end, EP Diane Frolov adds, we have an episode where Maggie has a couple of scenes with Dr. Charles, which we've never seen before. Cool, cool. I will take all the Maggie. All the Maggie. So that's about it on the news. As always, if you see anything, please send it to us. You guys are really good about that. Whole big internet, two of us. You guys are really helpful with that. So, you know, we, we really appreciate it. So we've got not one, not two, but four patron shout outs before we move into our episode. I love it's it. So ex- I love it every time we get an email saying like, you have a new patron. And I'm like, oh, my God, people love us. Yeah, it's awesome. So. Uh, first one up, Maggie Martins. Maggie, thank you for supporting the podcast. We love you. Um, next up is Lauren Bailey. Lauren, thank you again for all your support. We really appreciate it. So these last two confirm something that we have wondered about <laughs> since we started this podcast in 2017. We've always wondered if we have any male listeners, and this confirms that we do, which is yes. awesome. Yes, I love seeing that. Love of love. Yes, yes. And, and you know. Anybody can listen to us, of course, but, of course. you know, we wonder. We only typically hear from female listeners, so it's nice to hear from some guys, too. Yes. So, Zach, I'm about to butcher your last name, and I'm really sorry about that, but I'm going to give it a go, okay? Zach Blache? Blache? I, I would assume so, just based on the accent, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, if I butchered that, I'm really sorry. Please tell me how to pronounce it correctly, but thank you so much for your support. And the last one is Mike Carrier. Mike, we appreciate you so much. Thanks again. Yes. Awesome. If you would like to receive a podcast shout out, please visit our Patreon page. It is linked in all of our socials. If you'd like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, you can head over there and see what different perks we offer at different levels. There's a cool stuff. There's the Facebook group, which has been quite lit lately. Uh, I love it, love it, love it. We have finally found a place to pretty much gush over promo photos when they drop, and that place would be our Facebook group. That's not just like our texts back and forth to each other. Yeah, yeah. You can only send so many all caps text messages before the group text is like, stop. 
Well, and, like, even in our text messages, too, just, like, between the two of us, like, at some point they become so long that if I actually need to go back and find, like, important information there, I have to, like, scroll back. Because at one point it'll be, like, here's all the gifts you made me. Here's, like, you know, promo pictures. It's, like, it's so – it's not – it doesn't work that well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's there's cool stuff. There's the Facebook group. There's bonus episodes. We've only recorded one so far, but we do need to get the second one on the calendar. Um, mm-hmm. We've already got a good idea for one, which I think it's a good idea. Bryna kind of hates me for it. but I will do it, though, for our patrons. I will do it. <laughs> At night? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, more information about that later. But – uh, that's going on. There's also a discount code for our merch store. There's a lot of cool perks. So just, you know, check it out. It's in all of our socials. Go check it out. And, you know, if you want to support us, that would be awesome. So without further ado, shall we dive into the episode? Let's do it. Okay. So, of course, we're going to start with Med. This episode of Med made me want to throw shit. Yeah. I mean, it's a good episode. But, yeah, it definitely it definitely made me mad, too. Yeah. So at, time, um, at times, at times, I, I, yeah, I no, I pretty much wanted to throw things all throughout. Yeah. So but the only thing that saves it, I mean, the only thing that makes I can say that is like, cause I got my Mansell kiss. So uh, I'm okay. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine. So we're going to start off with everyone's favorite redhead. And by everyone's favorite redhead, I mean, my favorite redhead. Well, so. We start the episode, and Will is getting his first dose of the vaccine. I love seeing that. I I love that they incorporated that in. Like I I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they're they're incorporating you know what's really happening in real time. So that's good. Yeah, and I love too because this is what they had teased. Like I guess it was a few weeks ago how like they actually did like change that a little bit to like because they didn't think the vaccine was going to be happening. And then the vaccine happened and they were like, Oh, well we got to reflect that. So we got to throw it in there, which I think is really cool. Have any of your friends gotten the vaccine yet? Um, yeah. Your friends that work on the Hill. Oh no, not that work on the Hill. Um, but I know other people who work in like medical stuff and yeah. Cool. Yeah. I have, I have some friends who have had their first dose. I have one friend who was a physician's assistant. She just got her second dose last week. And uh, she said she was like, yeah, my immune system, like, really responded to it. But, you know. Yeah. No, I know a bunch of people, especially now that I'm back home and, like, my dad obviously used to be a doctor. And so I and I used to work in that office. So I know a bunch of people have been fully vaccinated. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just – I'm just – I want – we were talking about this before we started recording. I want my vaccine so bad. I mean, yeah, I do too, but... The, the, Not at the... I want everyone else... I want the older people, you know, people who actually need it a little bit more first, and then I can get mine. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wish that could ha- time could happen a little bit sooner than, you know. Yeah, I I don't think I will be getting vac- vaccinated until my parents get it, because they're just... They're more important than me when it comes to the vaccination. Yeah, same. Yeah, no, I'm, I've been trying to get my dad vaccinated. It's just so hard. Like, these appointments are just, they're so hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see. It's happening, though. Uh, yeah. So Will goes into the doctor's lounge after he talks to Dr. Verani, and we see the Sexton siblings reunited. Reunited, and, and it feels, feels so, so good. good. Until the end, but we'll get there. <laughs> um i did laugh at noah giving will crap and he's like oh you're dressed all nice like big promotion or a girl i know too soon noah i love it though too soon 
Love it. I do like seeing Will though, like all spiffy in the white coat, and it's just—it's a nice look. The haircut is a, kind of a bummer, but also, you know, I get it. I was just about to say, how do you feel about the haircut? I'm not crazy about it. I missed his like crazy long hair. I like the long. I obviously really like the long hair, but I do. I think the haircut looks good on him. It's just I like the long hair too. That yes, that like <laughs> the haircut looks really good on him, and I yeah, but. The long hair. I just miss everyone's long hair. We had the long hair for the first, like, episode or two, and now everyone's getting, like, haircuts, and I'm like... <sighs> but it was so wonderful. Yeah. As long as Nate doesn't get a haircut, then we'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, Will's patient is actually Mr. Booker. If you don't remember Mr. Booker, he is the patient from episode three, who basically beats COVID at the very beginning. He, the Opening scene of episode three, April is wheeling him out of the COVID wing. So he's back. Um, he's got some shortness of breath. It turns out that there's fluid in his lungs. Will basically realizes like he's in heart failure, but he unfortunately does not qualify for the clinical trial. So there's some sort of level in his blood. It's called serum creatinine. I don't know what the hell it does, but... It's his levels for that are just under or not. They're they're over the like the, the eligibility range. And so he based that that just counts him out of the trial. So April runs additional tests and she points out to Will. She's like, well, wait a second. You know, his kidneys are fine. This is not an indicator of a kidney problem. But black men in general have higher levels of serum creatinine. It's not due to any health condition. It's just their physiology that they just tend mm-hmm. to have that higher level. And so Will defends the criteria, but it's not great. Tell me, what percentage of your participants are black? I don't have the numbers offhand. Um, you know, I think around 3%. Only 3% because of biases like this. And yet we are 30% more likely to die from heart failure. April, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just... I'm not sure what you want me to do. Nothing, apparently. Just like everyone else. Yeah, well, um, that probably wasn't the best thing to say. No, but I am glad that April points this out. And I do like how Med is... Med is obviously not going to go for the police brutality aspect, but I do like how they're hitting on some, like, really important points with this Mm storyline. Um. I, I think it's really important that they're doing this. Yeah, and April April kind of peels back the curtain on something is that it was something we don't think about that, you know, the the exclusion criteria, it unfairly counts out black black male participants. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's things yeah. you don't think about. You just think about the criteria and you don't really think about who it affects. Yeah. So later on, April is like, Well, hey, Doris, Will ordered fluids? Like, what is this? Turns out that Will gave Mr. Booker fluids to dilute his creatinine to get him into the trial. Good job, Will. Yeah, because he realizes, like, what he did. I mean, what they unintentionally did was mm-hmm. still wrong. And so, yeah. That, yes. That's a really that's a really good ally-type move for Will. So I do wonder, though. Because he technically, uh, although I agree with what he did, and I think it was the right choice, do you think Dr. Verani is going to be mad at him and it's going to turn into, like, a big issue? I don't know if Dr. Verani is going to be able to tell that, you know, 
the the fluids diluted it. I get. I don't know. I just. I don't know. I just. I wonder. I. I don't. We haven't seen Doctor Verani enough. I know. Like for this being her trial, like we. I feel like I still don't know her. Right. I mean, it's only been five episodes, but in the shortened season, five episodes is a lot. <laughs> she pops in for like five seconds an episode. Yeah. So uh, I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see. Yeah. So we heard from you guys on a lot of stuff this week, which we were really happy about. So Megan said April was awesome in this episode. I agree with her that more BIPOC patients need to be on Will's clinical trial and any clinical trial in real life for that matter. Appreciate that she told him off like that. And Rory said, in order for the trial to be successful, there are certain guidelines and rules. He could have discussed with Verani the change uh, to change the parameters of the study to include more diversity. He didn't include her in the discussion that trial's a mess and the data will be compromised. Is there anything at Med that is not a mess? I mean, we will literally are just about to talk about that. So, no. I can't think of anything at Med that has not been a mess. Hmm. That is a great question. <laughs> like, I think the only thing at Med that has ended well was when Will had that patient who was in, like, the Special Olympics, and he was like, I can fly. And Will watched his video, and, like, that that was, like, all well, all's well that ended well. But that's literally, like, the only thing I can ever think of. Yeah, now that you say that, I'm even thinking about, like, character exits. Like, Connor's exit was not great. Sarah Reese's exit was not great. Ava's was definitely not great. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I really wish that when we had done trivia with Nick and Marina and Joe that, you know, we asked uh, we asked Joe the, the, the question of how many times Med had blown, been blown up. I really wanted to point out to Nick and be like, you know, Will works somewhere that is very unsafe, right? <laughs> yeah. Like your character works in a very unsafe place. Always. Always, always. Always. So that is Will. Moving on to what really made me want to throw all of the things. Noah. Yeah, and Ethan and yeah. Bryna, just 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 go. Just go. Okay. So like we said earlier, Noah has returned to med. He was apparently gone on a research rotation, but like now that's over and okay. I I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And it was only five episodes, but it felt like a lot longer. Okay, but even last season, like, when was the last time we saw him last season? I mean, he was back more last season, but, like, still. I I feel like he's been gone for forever. He got hit by the car, and then he was back for, like, an episode after that. And I think that might have been the last time we saw him. Was that last season? Yes. Jesus. Yeah. But anyway, rotations don't typically last that long, so... I'm just saying. I don't know. Anyway. But anyway, so he's back. So an elderly couple gets brought in after they had a gas leak at their home. And Ethan takes one patient. Crockett takes the other patient. Um, Noah Noah recognizes the man, who's Dr. Coleman, who actually happens to run the largest free clinic on the south side. So they're doing their work. Um, Dr. Coleman's wife doesn't make it, though, and which is really sad. But... They, of course, happen to just wheel her body literally right in front of the room where Dr. Coleman is. And I'm like, why? Like, why did they move the body so fast? That's what I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah, that it was pretty quick. I was like, yes, by all means, let's just parade her body right in front of the room. 
They're like, time of death, 12 o'clock. Oh, okay, time to move the body. I'm like, what? That, that doesn't like ever happen. Two seconds. Yeah, that literally never happens. But anyway, so they're still working on Dr. Coleman, and they do some blood work. And basically, it comes back, though, showing high levels of benzos. So basically, what we find out is that he wasn't really affected by the gas leak. He was affected by this. And so what we find out later is his wife actually had ALS and did not want to be locked in her own body. But he knew that if that was going to happen, then he had to go too. That's heartbreaking. It it really is. It, it yeah. So then we get Ethan and Noah and Crockett talking about their opinions of what to do next, how they handle this. And Ethan makes the argument that what happened is murder. And he's like, if I don't report this, we're obstructing justice. Which, to me, I get it from, like, the law sense that, like, obstructing justice, like, they're obstructing justice. But to me, I don't see it personally as, like, obstructing justice. But I I don't know. This was such a tough one, right? Because, I mean, usually we're pretty hard on Ethan. But, I mean... Ethan is completely correct that by the letter of the law, this is murder. But also, Noah's right because, you know, he wants to make sure that this couple is able to die with dignity the way they wanted. But also, the law. Yeah, like like you said, Crockett and Noah don't see it this way. And Noah even says, he's like, this isn't murder. This is an act of mercy. Um, But it's a big argument. And Ethan's like, well, I'm going to call CPD. So he does. And then even at one point too later on, uh, Noah's venting to April and he's like, why does he have always have to be such a hard ass? It's putting it um, nicely. Yeah. I feel but like... Again, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I just... We need to have a... We need to talk about Ethan because I feel like at this point in the season, and yes, we are only five episodes in, but it feels like a lot longer than that. But I feel like they're doing Ethan a big disservice. Like, has do you think Ethan has ever laughed at something like in his entire life? I mean, yeah, I just think it's hard because this season, I'm not saying I disagree with a lot of what Ethan's done because I don't necessarily disagree with what he's done or even does in this episode. Mm -hmm. I disagree with the way he's handled it and like the way he tell like if he's like going to make a decision, well, he'll say it in like the sternest of tone. And I'm like, okay, you didn't need to say it like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, I think it's hard, too, because. Ethan went from a lot of these people's colleagues to now he's in charge of them. Mm -hmm. And so trying to balance that line of like colleague and friend versus boss and like getting them to respect him and see him in a different light. It just, yeah. I mean, what Nate, give me, give me one likable quality about Ethan Troy at this moment in time. At this moment in time. Do we need the Jeopardy theme? <laughs> Insert Jeopardy theme here. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just like when Ethan walks into a room or on a scene or something, like say that Crockett is talking to like Goodwin or something. All's fine and well. And then the minute Ethan comes in, I'm just like, oh boy. I I feel like they're just doing him a big disservice this season, but yeah, you know. So yeah, Ethan calls CPD, and then we get our actually I think our first 
uh, PD appearance of the season? I think so. I I mean, on med, I should say, because Burgess was over on fire. And, like, that. that's it. That's literally all we've yeah. seen. Um, man, freaking COVID. I but I did love seeing Kevin. Don't see Kevin enough on med. But he drops by and basically is like, yeah, treat him. We're not worried about him running away. Then we'll take over once you're actually done. So Noah goes to see Dr. Coleman. And they actually have a little bit of a bonding moment. Um, because Noah tells Dr. Coleman this story about how Dr. Coleman's actually the person who made Noah want to become a doctor. Because Dr. Coleman's clinic helped his father uncover a health problem like in the early stages. Which is really like a nice story because we don't really get to see. I mean, we know a lot of things about Noah because of April, but it was like nice to learn that from Noah. Right. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah. And then so Dr. Coleman starts opening up after Noah tells the story and he said pretty much says that he thinks he's a coward for not being able to help his wife. And he's like, well, I guess this is my punishment, you know, which is, again, just so sad. Yeah, very much so. So they still do have a little bit of treating left to do on Dr. Coleman and Dr. Crockett ends up having to run out. So Noah's like, well, I can handle that. You know, that's fine. And so Noah goes in and he loads a syringe of epi and lidocaine. And then all of a sudden it's like, actually, I need a bigger syringe. So he sets it down on the tray, turns around to get the bigger syringe. And of course, leaves the other syringe within arm's reach of Dr. Coleman and like I said, he turns his back and this allows Dr. Coleman to inject himself with the syringe of epi and lidocaine and kill himself. Man. And Nurse Trini is like trying to seize him doing it and while Noah still has a back turn and she like very like kind of slowly but also she's like, oh my god like, let me try to save you. It's just like yeah. And Noah of course still has his back turn and yeah. He is stone-faced. Yeah, but also pretty proud of himself. I mean, you know, not in like a smug way, but like pretty proud of himself. Yeah, yeah. This is a Connor Rhodes level type move here. Yeah, because he, in his heart of heart, knows he did the right thing. Yeah, I mean, but that's, and that's, that's what's so tricky about this episode. And part of the reason it made me want to scream was because like, it's, like, the it's all gray area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we were joking about it when this was airing on Wednesday night, and we were texting. We were like, well, Ethan's right, Noah's right, but then there's the law. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. I, the the moment that got me was how when Noah was doing compressions and Ethan was trying to talk to him and stuff, Noah was just, like, his face was, like, not smug, but he was just kind of like, mm, okay, maybe you should call it. What do you think? Like, yeah. Man. And, of course – Ethan is pissed. So pissed. So pissed. And yeah, just. You did this on purpose, man. What were you thinking? Dr. Coleman had the right to die on his own terms, man. Come on, Ethan. You really think he deserved a rotten prison? It doesn't matter what I think. The minute you called the police, you buried him. You think it was easy for me to make that call? It sure seemed like it. Just stop, man. This isn't about me or Dr. Coleman anymore. Don't you get that? The thing that gets me the most is, like, when he's, like, I taught you, Noah. Like, you don't make mistakes. Like, almost like this is, whole thing is a reflection on him. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that, And it kind of is, because he's the chief. 
Yeah, it's like a double reflection. It's like not only did Ethan teach Noah, like now he's the ED chief and this happened under his um eyes. But it's like the it's like he's got the angel and the devil on his shoulder, right? Like he's got Choi on his left shoulder and Choi's little angel, but then Crockett on his right shoulder is kinda like, you know, hey, you know, push some buttons, do some things. But at the same time, I mean, do you, is this something that you would you think Crockett would do? I don't know, because it really up until last week, we haven't seen Crockett do many things that aren't by the book. And so I'd actually kind of push back on your angel and devil, at least with the devil being Crockett, only because even in this episode, like we don't really see a ton of Crockett when it comes to the storyline. Yes, he's there. And yes, he is, I guess, the supervising attending mm-hmm. for all of this. But like. Even then, he, like, leaves when this happens. Because he leaves to go take care of, I mean, what we now know is his, you know, Mm -hmm. ex-wife. But, like, he doesn't know that this is happening. Like, you know, he's gone. Yeah. So, I don't think really, I don't really see it as Crockett being the devil on Noah's shoulders. Mm -hmm. But, But to answer your question of, like, would Crockett do something like this? Maybe. I wouldn't put it past him. I think Connor would do the opposite. Connor liked to play God. Mm-hmm. In a way, yeah. this is kind of Noah playing God. Yeah, but Connor liked to do it all the time. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. So Ethan is like, well, now I have to cough you up to the police. Have fun. But, like, if you think about it and you hear it in that conversation, too, I mean... Noah's just like he's thinking about he's thinking about considerations that Ethan's not thinking about right like he doesn't want another black man to go to prison he doesn't want to see that happen like does that make sense wait say that again no, like I, I have the thought in my head it's just not formulating right like Noah is Noah's looking at this differently right because Noah's like you know I don't want him to go to jail I, he doesn't deserve to go rot in jail you know he doesn't want to watch a, another black man go mm. sit in jail and waste away. I thought you were away. talking about Ethan. That's why I was like, what are you talking about? I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's definitely in there. Um, But so then we get April asking Ethan to reconsider that. And they're up on the roof and she, I mean, she even says, she's like, if you won't do it for him, do it for me. Which like, mm, no. This no. is the only time that she has played that card, and I've been like, at a girl, April. Good job. You want her to play that card? I don't always want her to play that card. I mean, usually when she plays it, I'm like, April, come on, like, stop. But this time when she plays the card, I'm like, yep, save Noah. Good job. See, I disagree. I don't think that at all. I think there's a difference between standing up for your brother and, like, using your history to, like, manipulate a situation. And to me, like, I think she could have still stood up for Noah and supported Noah and, like, tried to convince Ethan to do it without saying, like, well, if you won't do it for him, do it for me. I mean, I don't think there was a choice there. He obviously wasn't going to do it for him. I think that was, I I almost think it was kind of like a Hail Mary that April was like, Ethan's really about to throw his mentee, his friend, under the bus like this. Like, it was kind of the last ditch type effort. Yeah, and I see that. I just, I, I don't know. I still, I try to put myself as a big sister in April's shoes. And like, what would, if I was April in this situation, and it was literally my brother Noah, because I do have a brother Noah, um, what would, like, what would I want to do? And like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'd have a hard time 
asking him. But I guess April, you know, I but it's also been my problem with April. The little bit of problem I've had with April this season is I feel like she's tried to use their past relationship to get what she wants this season. And that's what I'm like, saying is I'm usually not okay with that. But in this one particular instance, I'm okay with it. I don't know. It still rubs me the wrong way. There's a lot about sex toy that rubs me the wrong way. That could be easily taken out of context. I yeah, realize what wow. I just said. Wow. What a huge, yeah. Wow. There's a soundbite. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I wasn't going to say anything, but damn. No, okay. I-, I caught it as soon as I said it. We'll just rewind yeah. that. <laughs> um, But anyway, so... What happens up happening is Kevin comes back and Ethan doesn't end up throwing no under the bus. He, Kevin says, you know, well, is there anything else we need to know? And Ethan says, no. All great. But then literally two seconds, Kevin leaves. And then two seconds later, Ethan turns around and fires Noah. What the fuck? Yeah. And, but the thing that gets me about this whole situation is as Ethan like walks out the door, cause they're in the lounge or whatever. He says, like, if it had been anyone else. Which, at first, I was like, the fuck does that mean? But I know we, we kind of deduced it down to him saying, like, you know, if he's saying if it had been anyone else, as in, if it had been anyone else, I pr- I, I, I would have coughed them up to the police? Yeah. I, I think that's exactly what that means. Which means, which basically means, like, you owe me? I don't think it means you owe me. Clearly, I mean, he's not going to have a chance to owe him because he's fired. No, but I mean to April. Oh, I don't think that either. But, um, yeah, it just, I, I think that's exactly what that means, though. I think it means that if it had been anyone else, it wouldn't, you know, if it had just been some random employee, it would have, that he would have turned him in. But also, when did Ethan acquire the ability to fire people? Right. That's really what I want to understand is everyone else goes before Goodwin right to be potentially fired even though they'll never actually they be fired. Never get fired and then ethan gets to fire noah i guess is it because he's a resident and everyone else is you know doctors i mean i i don't think so i have no idea yeah yeah this makes me so angry like here's the deal I get that, you know, Roland Roland played a minor role on the show, right? He Noah popped in every couple episodes and that was it. And so, yeah, maybe they were trying to wrap it up. But the double standard that this sets is infuriating. Natalie and Will do illegal shit every single week. I could recite a laundry list if you like. Will ignored a DNR and got sued. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ignored a DNR and got sued. Um, Natalie locked herself in a room with a child who needed medication and administered it which is criminal battery um she also no maybe that was the same one that i was thinking of natalie i mean hell last week she and marcel were like yeah we're performing this surgery and that's what they told everyone and then they ended up performing an entirely different surgery and yet natalie and will still have jobs yeah your two white doctors still have jobs. But the minute Noah, a black male, steps out of line, even just once, he's fired. Yeah. It's fucked. Right. And I don't know if that was the intention, but intention or not, it's still a fucked up system. And that's the problem. Right? It, it, yeah. It makes me so angry. Right. Like, that is the whole idea is like, yeah, they may not have intended it for it to be like, oh, you know, the one black male is the one that's getting fired. 
But, like, that's still what happened. Oh, it makes me so angry. Yeah. And also, like, okay, yeah, so, I well, hold on, let's just get finished this thing. So, basically, Noah, at the end of the episode, Noah and April have this, like, heart-to-heart, and he talks about the whole thing, so. I'm gonna help you fight this. No, this... not. Because I'm not gonna fight it. Noah. Look, I stand by what I did today, April. And if I have to go up against Ethan, I'll end up having to lie. I don't want to do that. So, I guess now Noah's going to Atlanta. But, like, okay, so we're never gonna, we're just literally never gonna see Noah Sexton again? He did say, like, I'll be back, but, I mean, that's probably for, like, season 28 or something. I mean, like, yeah, I I don't, who knows? Such bullshit. Yeah, and I mean, I just love Roland. I just don't want to see Roland go. Me neither. Me neither. Roland will always be welcome on this podcast. Always, 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 always. Yeah, it just sucks. Our first repeat guest. Yes, the first repeat guest of Midas and Molly's. Mm -hmm. Such a good dude. Yeah, he really is. Especially since we pretty much like introduced ourselves to him and we're basically like, we host a podcast. Guess what? We're friends. And he was just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, we love Roland. We love Roland. So. Yeah, it's just, just sad. So you guys did have a lot of feelings about this, which I mean, hey, we did too. Um, Alyssa said, holy shit, they actually fired someone and it was Noah. Okay, yes, what he did was illegal, but I wouldn't say it was wrong. The man clearly expressed his wishes to die with his wife and doesn't deserve to rot in prison after simply trying to honor his wife's wishes. After all the shit the other doctors in this hospital have pulled off, cough, cough, not to mention multiple times they choose to fire Noah. I do agree with the ending, though, and how Noah pointed out that independence from April would be good for him. Him acknowledging that or him acknowledging that shows real character growth and moving away for a while is definitely what he needs at this point in his life. I just hope they bring him back at some point. And then she said in parentheses, if Will can get away with ignoring that DNR without being fired, surely the hospital board can rehire Noah sometime sometime down the line. Right? Right? Yeah, right. I just hope Noah comes back and is like, look at me now, bitches. Like, Blow up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Megan said, glad to see Noah back. I missed him so much. The friendship between him and Crockett is awesome. So I'm happy to see that again. Loved hearing his backstory as why he became a doctor. I hope this isn't the last we see or hear of him. It better not be. Right. Catherine said, is this for real the last time we see Noah? I mean, I get why, but I figured he was going to take a residency on another specialty or something, not leave the frickin' state. Uh, she said, I get that there are different laws for every state and that he violated the law, but I feel like he was punished, but not really punished because we don't get to see the result of his action because he wasn't there constantly enough for us to feel the magnitude of him getting fired. I think that drove it home even more, though, is that we hardly ever see him. I think it's both. Like, I think it definitely felt more. It felt I think I felt it harder because he literally just came back this same episode. Yeah, he's already gone again. Um, but I also think it kind of sucks. And, like, I think, unfortunately, I don't want to say this, but, like, I hope that we don't forget about it just in, like, two episodes because it kind of feels like, oh, yeah, Roland was there and then he's gone just like normal and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't want you guys to worry, though. We won't forget. You know we don't forget. No. Never, 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 never. No. No. 
it's probably good that we don't have like access to the writers because we would make them remember every time we'd be like hey remember that time you did this to this character <laughs> yeah we want it brought up in like two more episodes okay. yeah <laughs> just guilt trip them remember that time you fired noah you feel bad about it because we do <laughs> yeah and they're like security <laughs> yeah but yeah so um she said other than that the actual case had me in tears yeah um Zach said the fact that Noah got a chance to meet Dr. Coleman, the man who inspired him to be a doctor, was great despite the circumstances. Hopefully this won't be the last time we see Noah, but boy was it sad to see him go. Sexton siblings forever. That needs to be a sticker. I know, it really does though. It does. We need some Noah merch, yeah. We need some Noah merch. Yeah, you guys, if you have ideas for any of our merch, like let us know, because my brain doesn't stretch that far. When I'm like, oh, they need merch. And I'm like, I, eh, eh, I don't know. I want some Mansell merch eventually so I can buy all of it. <laughs> Brenda just made her formal request live on the on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah. And Rory said, Love that after Kevin left, Ethan straight away fired Noah, but he still left the room for him to find work elsewhere, which will be good for both April and Noah, as Noah himself said. I applauded Ethan for the stand that he took. He saved Noah, like you said, but he also did his job. Brian's performance was remarkable in this episode. He was cool, even though we could tell when he was pissed. Um, we started, When he started to talk to Noah and telling him that he knows him, I felt it. He was speaking from the heart. Brian T. is such a good actor. Yeah. I. He, he really is, though. Even though Ethan makes me want to bang my head into a wall. Yeah, Brian is. And it, Brian, even though if Ethan is especially this season has made me more mad more times than not. Uh, Brian this season has been like, Mwah. yeah, I feel bad for him. If he ever comes on the podcast, cause we're going to grill him and he's going to be like, oh, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. I want it so bad though. <laughs> what did I get myself into? I have so many questions for him. Same. So Same. many questions. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Samantha said, so other med doctors can break the law and cross lines all the time, but the one time Noah does it, he gets fired? Okay, cool. Seems fair. But I also can't help but wonder what this means for the future of Chexton. April, or Ethan fired April's brother. I can't imagine their relationship surviving that. What relationship? Well, okay, A, what relationship? B, knowing April, she is not going to let Ethan forget this. Yeah, but, and especially the line that he said about the fact that, you know, uh, like, if it had been anyone else. I I don't think this is the last we hear of this, for sure. April's the type who would bring this up in a fight, like, five years from now, just to gain the upper hand in an argument. Yeah, I mean, in five years, like, in 20 years, they could be married and have kids or whatever, and she'd be like, remember that one time? Yeah, yeah, they'd oh be having God. a super simple argument about something, like, domestic and normal, and she'd be like, you fired my brother! Yeah. So Casey said, I really hope that Noah isn't gone for good. Why bring him back for one episode just to have him leave? Right? Right? right. That's the thing that I really don't understand. It's like he literally came back for one episode, especially with all the COVID stuff. And now he's gone again. Yeah. Yeah. She said, for the situation with Ethan and Noah, it was tough because really, I think they were both right. I'm glad that Ethan chose not to tell the police. Hey, Atwater. <laughs> about Noah's involvement, but I'm extremely sad that he's leaving. Yes. All of that same mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all of it so yeah that that's that's noah just like making me want to throw things all over again mm -hmm. 
So next up, we have Bryna's favorite couple, Mansell. Yeah, it's really sad. Guys, the amount of times I watched that kiss at the very end is like, oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, you, they are your ship. They are your ride or die. Take I us through Mansell. Yeah, yeah, my ride or die med ship that I never thought I'd have. I never thought I was going to have a ride-or-die med ship because I haven't really had one up, one up until this point. But, like, Natalie and Marcel is it. They're a pretty hot couple. I'm not going to lie. I just – I love them. I love them so much. I mean, what do you think in terms of chemistry between Dominic and Tori? Oh, man. It's like – ooh. It's really good. Like, I don't know how I feel chemistry-wise, but their hookup scenes are pretty hot. I think their chemistry is really good. Mm-hmm. I just think it's different. I it, it may be, honestly, I can't, I don't know. I just think it's different. Hmm. It's different than, you know, what she had with Will and, yeah. I just, I think it's good. But anyway, so we pick up, remember, because at the end of last week's episode, they obviously had their sexy time. And this picks up the morning after. and But we see Natalie, like, sneaking out. And it's like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. But also, how lucky are we that we always get the morning after scenes after a hookup? I know. I do love the morning after scenes, though. They're, sometimes they're bonus scenes, and then other times, like with Upstead and Ruzik, Upton and Ruzik. That got yeah, weird. Um, <laughs> what is wrong with me tonight? Oh, my God. Um, the wine. It's the wine. Yeah, it's the wine. All three sips I've had. But yeah, the only time that I've ever been not thankful for a morning after scene was with Upton and Ruzik. I was like, my eyes. But everybody else, I've been like, oh. Cool. Cool. You you go go on with your bad self. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, and so then later that or later at the hospital when they start talking, um, Marcel's like, oh, so my place tonight? And Natalie's just like, oh, we'll see. And I'm like, we'll see. Girl, what are you doing? We'll see. Do you see the man lying in your bed right now? We'll see. Right. I mean, like, even how can you say no to that? I... It's a fair question. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Maggie, of course, witnesses this whole thing going down because it's Maggie. And of course she does. Maggie knows all. Um, and so Maggie's like, let me ask you for some advice on something. And they're start talking and Maggie just has to ask. She's like, how was it? <laughs> and once Natalie like admits that they slept together. She is the best wing woman ever that like at first she was kind of doubtful. And then the minute Natalie was like, we slept together. She flipped that switch and was like, oh, my God, how was it? Like excited friend mode. Well, and even like her little like roar. Like I die. It's so cute. I love it. Protect Maggie at all costs. Uh, but the thing that we get out of this conversation is that Natalie's okay with keeping things between her and Marcel casual, which, like, casual and Natalie Manning do not go in the same sentence. I mean, but also, that's not a bad thing. I, I... No, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's just not who Natalie is. Yeah. And, like, for the fact that she's like, yeah, I'm fine with it being casual. No, you're not. You're not. And, like, you can see that that's why it's eating you up inside. I mean, that was definitely some casual hookup they had last week. That was not a relationship sexy time. Right. But, like, at the same time, you can tell literally the way that Marcel leaned on the counter at when they're talking at the hospital and, like, the way that he looks at her and, like, smiles. Like, you can tell that he wants it to be more – like, he wants her to come over again. Like, he wants that from her. Mm-hmm. 
And like she's just so afraid that it's got that he wants casual. They yeah. just they they're suffering for what everyone in what Chicago does, and nobody's honest with each other and just says what they actually want. You're saying that the doctors at Chicago Med don't communicate? What? Blasphemy. I, I know, crazy. Bold face lies, Brenna. Although I mean, by the end of the up, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> but anyway. So Natalie gets her patient for the week, and of course it is Anna Charles. Anna pulls her aside and takes her into room, and Anna's like, "I need birth control." And Natalie's like, "Okay." <laughs> um, but the thing that I do love about this though is Natalie. Natalie could have been like, "Actually, you're underage. I need to talk to you. You need to have a parent in the room." You know, she like you. She could have done all that. But Natalie does what's actually best for Anna and is like, okay, well, I will help you. And, like, let's, you know, whatever. But she does love breaking the rules. She is still Natalie Manning, of course. So she agrees to run the labs that she needs to run, like, off the record so it doesn't trigger the insurance. I love this whole interaction because it's very, it's very, like, it's sex positive, first of all. Natalie's not trying to talk her out of it or anything. And Natalie makes Anna feel safe. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, like, yeah. so many of us get anxiety before we go see the OB, right? Our poor male listeners, Zach and Meg, just went like, oh, no, stop it. Um, but, yeah, Natalie made it. She made, she goes out of her way to make Anna feel safe. And that's such a good, like, positive interaction. Yeah, you definitely have to have someone you feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can take a while to find that person. But you definitely, yeah, you yeah. definitely do. Um, but, of course, eh, this is Med and, you know. And not everything goes well. So as we find out, Anna is pregnant. Man. And she's like, she falls into that trope, though. She's like, but we only had sex one time. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> Lane Kim is like at the door of the trope. Like, welcome home, girl. Yeah. I'm like, let me pull down my like chart and tell you how babies are made. Because like, clearly <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Get in here, Caster Bridgerton. You need to hear this, too. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um. But then later on, we see Natalie tell Crockett that tonight's, like, not actually going to work. And she's like, I think I just need a little space to think about some things. And I'm like, girl, come on now. Really? Really, Natalie? Really? It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Again, it doesn't make sense to me. Did she not have her eyes open while she was hooking up with him? Like, really? You need time to figure things out? But by the end of the episode, she's changed her mind. And so she goes to Crockett's place and tells him that, like, when she made that comment about needing space, she was just caught up in, like, what people would think. And she even says, she's like, I don't even know, like, what us is, but, like, all I do know is whatever this is. Like, I don't want it to end. Which, my heart. <laughs> um, and so then they kiss. But their kiss gets interrupted by none other than Crockett's ex-wife. Yeah, she is not what I pictured her being. She looks like a housewife. A real housewife. Like from yes, the show. Yes, a real housewife. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not like a housewife. Yes, a real housewife. Yeah. I I was picturing somebody like Dr. Verani. Like just long, dark, flowy hair. Did you ever see that show GCB? With Kristen Chenoweth? Oh, oh, yes, yes. I, I For like a, a little bit, yes. But I remember it. Was, it. I mean, it was only on for like 10 episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, she remi- I, like she looks like someone that would have been on that show. I could see it. Like a character on that show. Uh, definitely not who I pictured Crockett with. But apparently his ex-wife like sold her house in New Orleans. And of course just happened to bring him some things that he might want. 
She sold her house in New Orleans. He lives in Chicago now. And she just happened to bring him some things that he might want. She willingly put her ass on a plane in the middle of a pandemic just to conveniently pop by and be like, oh, hey, here's some stuff. Right. And I get they have history and, you know, I'm not saying that, but like still just happened to conveniently bring him some things. But it's also not like Chicago is like conveniently on the way for anything, you know? Well, we don't know that she stayed in New Orleans or wasn't moving somewhere else. We don't know that. But still. Where's she going? Canada? I don't know. I just, I'm saying, I'm just saying. Anyway, but so he actually tries to convince Natalie to stay, but she like awkwardly exits. She's like, uh, no, okay, I'm going to see you at work tomorrow. Okay, bye. Yeah, I don't blame her. I'd be backing out of frame like the Kool-Aid man in Family Guy. Did you ever see that scene? Have you no, ever I've seen Family seen. Guy? I mean, like clips, but nothing. No, I'll have to send you that clip when we're done recording. But yeah, I'd be backing out of frame too. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. But yeah, that is Natalie and Crockett. And I I just, I love them though. I <laughs> like, I know that she like left awkwardly, but I don't even care. Yeah. And we, we did get a message from Catherine on this one. And she said, Mansell are so dumb. <laughs> but she also put in parentheses, I love them. But still, did you write this message under a pen name, Bryna? <laughs> I mean, sounds like it. <laughs> Natalie needs to start to learn how to communicate if she ever wants to have a relationship. I mean, insert med doctor name here. That can stand for everybody. I kind of got the vibe like Marcel wanted to have something more than a one night stand, but he's so charming that I'm not sure yet. We'll see, especially with his ex-wife in the picture now. I still think that regardless of everything, he still wants it to be more than a one night stand. Yeah, I, I and I don't think he realized that until the awkward kiss on the shoulder. Yeah, I think he, it was obviously clear before that, that like he and Natalie were getting closer. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So moving on to Dr. Charles. So Dr. Charles starts the episode and he's basically having, you know, just a heart to heart with Goodwin, his BFF over coffee. And he just mentions, you know, hey, we have mediation with Susan today, like whatever. So he has the mediation and it goes about as well as mediations usually go, which is terribly, terribly. I, yeah, I've never understood like, I, I understand why mediation is a thing, but, like, it never, ever goes well. So I'm also just like, why is that still a thing if it never, ever goes well? But um, we're still talking about the promotion, right? The Dr. Charles's ex-wife is just like, no, we're getting this promotion. Like, this is, I, I got the promotion. We're freaking going to Arizona. So she says, she's like, it's been about your job for the last 20 years. And then she says, I'm telling you, if you try to sabotage this for me, you will see a side of me that you will not like. It's it's not good. Mic drop. Mic drop. It's just not good. It's not good. So he goes back to Goodwin for some advice. And, you know, he starts talking about this routine that he's fallen into with Anna. And it's just so cute. And he's just like, you know, I don't even know what I used to do with myself. And so obviously we know that, you know, Anna has her own thing going on with Natalie. She's pregnant. And Anna comes to see her dad at the end of the episode. And she's like, I really need to talk to you. But... The attorney guy in the hospital, whose name we will never learn. I think it's Arthur. Um, he basically comes up and starts talking to Dr. Charles. But he's like, no, we'll talk tomorrow. Um, so once he goes back to Anna, she doesn't really want to talk anymore. And that's it. It's yep. going to be real interesting to see how her parents react to the news. Mm-hmm. Dr. Charles especially. Yeah, I can see. I could see Dr. Charles being 
accepting and like being nice about it i could see the mom being like how could you do this yeah i agree i think it's gonna be a shock i think it's still gonna be a shock to dr charles but i definitely think he's gonna be more accepting of it than the ex-wife is for sure yeah so we shall see we shall Mm -hmm. see last up is maggie our favorite maggie yes brian take it away okay so maggie's not really feeling this highly encouraged session that she has to go to with Dr. Charles because you know everyone has been having to go to him which I actually kind of really like that I think it's also really important Um, I'm glad they're doing these like kind of mandatory check-ins I think it's important Uh, it is important and I also hate that everybody's like it's highly encouraged I have to go talk to Dr. Charles I'm like I would love to talk to Dr. Charles yeah same Um, but so since Maggie's not really feeling it and she doesn't really you know thing you know nothing's really happening in their session dr charles actually dismisses her because at one point she's like you know i'm a lockwood woman like we handle things and dr charles is like well you know i know this was the first one was mandatory but like i'm here you know there's no shame in unloading i do it all the time it's fine um but later on ben calls because you know they had been waiting to see last week we saw maggie submit augie's dna to try to see if he has any relatives to get um the transplant that he needs and but so Ben calls and apparently Augie's search for relatives didn't work. And Doris actually tries to talk Maggie up and is like, you know, it'll be okay, everything will work out. And Maggie actually snaps at her. But like, I think this is the first ever nice Doris moment. I, I think it is. I don't know if I can recall another time of Doris being nice. No, but it was nice. Yeah, it was nice to see. Um, so Maggie does end up going to talk to Doctor Charles after co- over coffee, and she. You know, she wears her strength like it's a badge of honor, but at times it feels almost like she's not allowed to have this vulnerable moment. And she says, you know, like, I don't want to let anyone down. Like, I don't want to let that little boy down. And so she just kind of opens up and yeah. I love this, too, because I've never I've never thought of it that way. Like from Maggie's point of view, Maggie's just the strong one in the ED. She's just a rock. Right. And never once did I take the minute to be like, she's human, though. Like she feels emotions, too. What if you consider the last year of Maggie's life, she had cancer, mm-hmm. she beat cancer, mm-hmm. she fell met her husband, yep. yeah, fell in love, got married, and fostering a little child now. Like, a lot's changed for her in the last year. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy, dramatic year for her. And then with the pandemic, too, on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forget about the fact that we're in a global pandemic. I mean, damn. To so. be to be an essential worker and be somebody with a pre-existing condition, mm-hmm. heavy is the head that wears the crown. Yeah, yeah. Um. So Zach said her breakdown was upsetting, but seeing this, seeing this was a great reminder, especially after her cancer last season, that even someone like her can only be so strong for so long. Hopefully, next things will turn around for her, Ben, and Augie next week. Just protect Maggie at all costs. Just protect their whole family at all costs. But actually, though, put that little family in a bubble. But actually, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any other notes on Med? No, I think that's it. Are we worried about Anna being pregnant because one Chicago pregnancy? Mm, too early to tell. I hate that this is the first thing that we think of when a character is pregnant in the one Chicago universe. I know. I know. I hate it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So that's med. Like a solid episode, but I wanted to throw shit. 
Yes, agree. Solid writing. I still made me want to throw shit. Mm-hmm. All right, moving into fire. This was one of the best all time. I think this is by far the best. Um, now I cannot think of the word for it. Uh, bottle episode. Bottle episode. Yes, bottle episode. I was like, I, I was trying you. to call it like it's something else, but yes, I think this is the best bottle episode fires ever done, like by far. Yeah, and if you, if I mean, if you rank them, if you compare them to past bottle episodes, I think this one is now officially number one. I still say Severides is number two, just out of personal preference. But <laughs> well, that's your favorite fire episode of all time. Of all time, I love that episode so much. Uh, but I would say probably this one, Severides. Kate or Dawson's Casey's. Yeah, I, I honestly I think I'd agree with your ranking. Okay, so there's a couple of things that like you just need to know before we get into this episode, you guys. You've probably seen and heard it in multiple places, but filming this episode, both Derek and Joe described this like filming a play. So we actually did get to ask Joe a few questions last week. Um, He was kind enough to answer some questions for us over direct message. So we're going to kind of read what he said. But they filmed multiple, probably like two or or three acts that you see in the episode are full on like 30 minute takes. As in from cut to action was a full or action to cut. Sorry. Um, (laughs) They went in reverse Um, from action to cut was a full 30 minutes. So I just I can't imagine the challenge there. That's got to it. But also it would be so cool because it's such an immersive experience at that point. Right. I like part of me wishes like I could just been a fly on the wall for this episode. Oh, hell yeah. Like I love kind of stuff. And I just yeah, I know you do, too. But I think that would have been so cool. Yeah. And the way they did this too, um, the Wolf Entertainment account, you know, always tweets out behind the scenes stuff, which we lose our minds for because we're just like nerds, you we're know, big nerds, big yeah. nerds. So they did this on sort of this like seal structure that had airbags. So it would like lift up and like tilt the room around. So if the elevator needed to, you know, shift one way or shift the other way and needed to do that. So uh, this is like in if you ever saw Inception, Brian, you saw Inception, right? I have seen Inception. I love that movie. Um, but it's the one when, like, towards the end when Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, like, flying through the hotel and, like, bouncing off the walls and shit. Like, they did it similar to that um, in Sync's Bye 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 video with the shifting room. Um, also, Derek Huff's uh, amazing dance from Dancing with the Stars that won him, won him an Emmy. It's so good. I was going to bring that one up, so too. Good. I was like, Brian is going to be so, so proud. It's so good. That one was so yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, so good. Just, mm. um. Yeah, now we're getting our Dancing with the Stars feels. But yeah, they literally did. That, that's exactly what Fire did in this episode. They built the set. And so we asked Joe, what are some of the challenges with filming 30 minute long takes? Because usually a take in TV land is a minute or two. And this was 30 minutes. So Joe said, as far as 30 minute takes go, the challenge is being able to retain that much information. He said, we're so used to filming in minute to two minute long scenes that it definitely was more like being in a play. But he said, I'm from the world of theater. It's where I cut my teeth. I absolutely loved it. And I treasured the opportunity to do it again. I love talking to Joe because he takes every single challenge that fire throws his way. And it's like, that was fun. Yeah, I yeah, and he killed it in this episode, too. Oh, absolutely. As it. did uh, David Eigenberg, but Joe, too. Yeah, yeah. 
so good so so good so good i mean we're gonna keep keep saying it but it's so good <laughs> it, yeah it really is it really is so let's just jump in and you know we'll intersperse some of the joe sound bites and everything oh my god this episode was so good okay so we start off stella is staying with brett still staying with brett so she says she's like you know it's kelly i'm trying to send him a message but since it's kelly you kind of have to like smack him upside the head with it of course this severide thing is getting ridiculous yeah, this has gone on, like, one episode too long already, and I think it's going to keep going. So I'm already just like, fucking A. This is breakup level shit, okay? I was thinking about this in the car earlier today because, again, <laughs> I do my I do my best one Chicago thinking in the car. <laughs> but, like, if I'm Stella, I mean, Stella is, she's independent. She's ballsy. Like, she doesn't need Kelly. She doesn't need the, and that she doesn't need the shit that he's putting her through. He already put her through this shit once. She didn't take it. And then, you know, he said he was going to change and it looked like he had, but now we're like, ugh. Right. And she tried to end it the first time this happened when Benny died. Yeah. And she did. And now here we are again. I mean, I guess the only, if you had to pick a silver lining from this shit, it's that, at least he thinks he's doing it for her and it's not just him being selfish and being like, oh, I'm going to close off because I don't want to be, you know, open to anybody and blah, 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 blah. At least he ha- is trying with the best intentions to do it for her, mm-hmm. but he's going about it all the wrong way. Oh, all the wrong way. so wrong. And I was thinking about this was that, you know, he he thinks that he's helping her by stepping back. But the message he's really sending her is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of similar. I mean, obviously, I think that was the point of this scene. It's to show the parallels between what's going on with Casey and Brett and also what's going on with Stella and Severide. Because I was going to say <clears throat> it's kind of similar with what's going on with Casey and Brett is that Casey thinks he's doing what Brett wants and taking some space and like giving her space. But it's really doing the exact opposite in that it's showing Brett that like she was kind of right about the Gabby situation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we pan over from Stella and Brett. This is totally a grease situation of like, you know, tell me more, tell me more. And then they go to the guys. So they literally pan across the apron floor and they go to Savasi on the other side of the firehouse. And Kelly just says, I'm telling you, it will blow over. The fuck? I can't believe he actually said that. I can't I, believe he actually said that. Yeah. He's taking her for granted. Like, you idiot. Yeah, he thinks that at the end of this, she will still be there. But what he doesn't realize is that this may be enough to, like, push her away for good, like, for good. Right. If I'm going for this promotion and my significant other is hindering me more than he's helping, I'm going to be like, sorry, like. Boy, bye. Like, boy, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. I can't believe, honestly, I can't believe we're back here again. Same. Like, I just, we were doing so well. Like, we were so blessed with season eight, and now we're getting season nine, and I'm just like, fuck everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fuck all of it. <laughs> yep. Which, I, and, and this is the other thing I always wonder, too. I'm like, are the writers, like, trying to frustrate us? Like, do, do they know what they're doing here? Which they do. I mean, they, I just... Yeah. I just can't wait because I know what's going to happen eventually for like Stella I to get engaged and get married. So at least that we know when they fight, it hopefully won't. It's not going to end in like 
divorce or anything. At least we know they will make up at some point. Because I can't handle this shit anymore. Same. Need them to get engaged and married already. I want to reach through that TV and smack Kelly. And I usually love Kelly, but I want to smack him. Same. Uh, But I will say, I did really like this scene, though. I like seeing the girl talk and the boy talk and how they're, like, all looking at their each other's, like, significant others while this is happening across the apparatus floor. Like, I just thought it was a fun scene. I like that dynamic. It was fun. It was fun. So this is, like, maybe two minutes into the episode. This is jam-packed. So (laughs) the bells go off, like, immediately. And Herman is in a really suspicious good mood. Like, are you a morning person? Because I'm not. Um, I can be. Uh, I'm probably more of a morning person than a night person, but I, it really just depends. I'm a slow waker upper. I can function in the morning, but like, I'm not chipper. I'm not like rolling out of bed, like whistling, like Herman. You're not. I've like been around you a lot in the mornings and no, you're not. I'm just like, Bryna, I love you. No speaky. (laughs) Especially because we're usually at like cons or festivals or something. And they're always like late nights followed by like really early mornings. And you're like, yeah, no. Yeah. (laughs) Give me like two hours and then I'll be able to talk. Those ATX nights of like two in the morning followed by like a 7 a.m. wake up for a 9 a.m. panel. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, honestly, right now I miss those really bad because like I'd give anything to be back there. But yeah, yeah. I miss them so much. So, meh. but yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely not like Herman where I'm just like, yay, I got a fortune cookie that says it's my lucky day. When I get a fortune cookie, I'm a child. So I read my fortune, giggle, add in bed at the end and then throw away the cookie. Yeah, I don't really take them. I just I don't even know if I even open them half the time. Yeah. So he's just like all chipper. He's like, my fortune cookie said it's going to be my lucky day. And we caught a fire before breakfast. Woohoo. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, he's probably if I ever worked with Herman, he'd be that coworker that I'd stay away from until about like 10, 11 a.m. Yeah. 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 Just not a morning person. I just I need coffee and then I can like you know, come around. Settle into the day. Yeah. But it's never personal. Like, Bryna knows that. It's never personal. I just don't like mornings. No. I I know that for a fact. Very much so. (laughs) So we get to the call, and it's it's kind of a high-rise. It's a storage facility, basically. And the fire alarm went off on the 10th floor. So Herman meets the building manager. Her name is Holly. And Holly is just like, yeah, the, the only other person in the building is the contractor, Trevor. So just remember Holly and Trevor, because those are the two people we're getting stuck with this episode. So Herman takes the freight elevator with Trevor up to like the eighth floor because this fire's on the 10th. You're going to say your thing about the elevator? Oh, yeah. I mean, I still can't believe why the heck did we get in an elevator during a fire? I think that's the first thing they teach you in, like, kindergarten is don't get in an elevator during a fire. I think it, I think it was okay only because they were going to the eighth floor and the fire was on the 10th. But it doesn't matter. I feel like they still say no elevators during a fire. Take the stairs. Yeah, that's it. We got to jot that down as a question for Derek. Like, why is everyone else taking the stairs then? If they were all going to go to the 8th floor so then they could go to the 10th, like, why didn't everyone do that? Man, I know. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I don't know. I, the, the building I used to work in, like, two jobs ago when I worked in downtown, like, the big, giant, tall one that I showed you that time, that had 70 floors. So... Well, yeah, it, oh, totally insane. But the view from the last floor was gorgeous. But anyway, beside the point. But like, I, I would imagine if there was a fire in like the 50 or 60th floor, they would probably take an elevator up. I don't know. I don't know. That's I know. a great question for like a real life firefighter. 
Tony. Yeah, seriously, where's Tony? I don't know. So, yeah, Herman actually convinces Cruz to ride with. And so the thing with Cruz in this episode is like, he's far away. Something is weighing on him. Something is on his mind. Which, like, anytime you see Cruz like that, I just want to be like, baby Cruz, come talk to me. What's wrong? Like, It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. What's wrong? So he convinces Cruz to come with in the elevator. And that's pretty funny because he's like, you can give Sephirida what took you so long. Cute. So in full final destination style, because, again, we're only like four minutes into this episode. Of course, things have to go wrong. Full final destination style. A cable snaps and sends everyone flying. And that is our cold open. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So we come back from, you know, the cold open, the commercial break of like, ah. Okay. So Trevor's leg is broken. And Holly is like freaking out about the elevator. Holly is a peach. Let me tell you. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Okay. So like... They always get stuck with, like, the most unpleasant people. That's just how it goes. I mean, it yeah. Is. It but is. it is, like, it is really annoying. She was, she was really annoying. But also, we, like, I think, I think Holly gets more leeway in this circumstance just because, like, of everything happening. It's also one thing if you had said, oh, we're just stuck in an elevator with someone and the elevator thing happened, but not to mention the fact there's a fire in the top of the building, too, which adds to the situation. So, yeah, definitely not a great situation. I don't I'd probably be like Holly if I were in that in her shoes. Yeah. she. So she's ranting about, you know, she used to manage a restaurant and, you know, she, you know, people people would go to the restaurant for good occasions, celebrations, and they come to the storage facility because, like, they got divorced. They lost everything in the pandemic. So uh, the other part that got me was when Herman was like, I run a bar, Molly's. Like, maybe you've heard of it. And she's like, we were fine dining. <laughs> so good. She's a peach. She's a peach. It's so good, though. But Herman still refuses to let her kill his vibe, which is really impressive. I know. Really, that's the most impressive part of this whole thing. It really is. I've had those days in corporate America when you're like, hey, I don't really feel like murdering anybody today. And then your coworkers are in such a lousy mood that it drags you down, too. Mm-hmm. So, yep. good for Herman. Good for Herman. Oh, yeah. And the elevator is stuck between floors because, of course, it is. Because, of course, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Too easy. Yeah. So, Cruz goes to open the hatch at the top of the elevator. And I'm pointing like you guys can see. I don't know. <laughs> There's a hatch at the top of the elevator. Cruz goes to open it. And Trevor asks if anybody has kids. And that's where we find out that Joe's going to be a father. Any of you have kids? Uh, I got four sons myself and a daughter. None for this guy. Actually, Chloe just told me that she's pregnant this morning. <laughs> what? Oh, man. That is great news. You cannot tell anyone, okay? Chloe specifically told me that no one can find out anything, okay? Hey, congratulations, Joe. You, my friend, are going to make a great dad. Oh, Oh my God. I know. All my feels. I've just, I feel like I've wanted, I mean, and you too, I I can speak for you on this. Like, we just wanted this for so long. Yes. Yes. Cruz and Chloe have both been through so much. They deserve this. They deserve all the happiness. Yeah, and he's just going to be the best dad, and she's going to be the best mom. And it's just, like, so amazing to see how far they've come from that high-rise fire in season seven. And it's just all the feels. All the feels. 
all the feels. You know what's funny about Joe and Joe and Chloe too is that like that was kind of like that was a meat cute for them too. Like to have a meat cute in the middle of a raging high rise fire. Seriously, but it is really cute though. That's goals. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're gonna be super adorable, fun parents. Yeah, I I can't wait. I cannot wait. And then like Uncle Mouch and Uncle Herman and Uncle Blake. And Uncle Severide and Uncle... It's just going to be so good. So Auntie good. Stella. It's going to be so good. Oh, so my good. God. I know. It's so good. It's so good. Okay, so when Joe goes to open the hatch, like, it, it's hard to open because one of those cables weighs a lot by itself. I actually didn't get to Google that. Surprised. But um, when he goes to open it, <laughs> it just snaps another cable. And so we go from being, like, absolutely ecstatic about, you know, Joe's going to be a dad to in our feels. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, to in our feels when this happens. You sure know a lot about elevators. Yeah. Well, I know some. I learned from an expert. My buddy, Otis. I wish he was here. Yeah, me too. I like how we were like, oh, man, I wonder if there's going to be an Otis reference. There was an Otis reference and another one and another one and another one. I know. And every single one killed me just a little bit more than the one before it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will say, though, I really do love, as much as all these references kill me, I do love that they've continued to bring him back up. Because one of the things that did bug me after Shay died was I feel like, obviously, those first few episodes right after Shay's death were a lot about Shay. And then, obviously, when you find out about the crossover where we figure out who Shay's killer was... But other than that, like, you might get an occasional one every couple of seasons. Obviously, we got one earlier this season. But, like, they're very rare. Yeah. And so I do really like that we've had a lot in the last season and a half. Yeah, it's 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 been good. Because I remember with Shay, after they did the whole thing with Gish, the only other time we heard anything about her, like, even her name was, like, there was some call and Gabby and Brett were at Med and they ran into Severide and they were talking about whatever call they had just gone on and Gabby was like, Shay would have loved that. Um, but that was about it. But yeah, I mean, that, you know, you know, when you lose people, it stays with you. So I'm glad they're they're staying true to that and they're bringing it back up. Agree. But yeah, every single one of these references killed me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Cruz opens the elevator panel after Herman is like, what would Otis do? And we're all just like, what would Otis do? Oh, man. Needs to be a t-shirt. Needs yeah. to be a t-shirt. Or like a bracelet. Like those, well, I was going to say like the bracelets we used to wear in middle school, but middle school for me was like preschool for you. So. What bracelets? Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean like what bracelets? I'm serious. Like which ones are you talking about? Do you, do you, did you ever hear anything about like the WWJD bracelets? Like what would no, Jesus do? that is. Oh, my uh, God. I mean, mm, vaguely, but, like. Let me send you a picture. <laughs> my little 90s baby, Bryna. Yeah, I don't really know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. I'm so old. Okay, hang on. Ah, these, yes. This was a thing in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, no, not even the early 2000s. Like, more late 90s. Okay, hang on. I'm sending it your way. But, yeah, that would, yeah, like a bracelet or just, like, WWOD. What would Otis do? So we could just cry. If, if only we could figure out how to sell bracelets, make and sell these bracelets, then yes. I know, right? Okay, there. I just sent you an Amazon listing. But those were a big thing in, like, the end of the 90s. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, I've never seen those in my entire life. Yeah, because I'm the old one. 
<laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna say like I know the bracelets are popular when I was in like late elementary, middle school. Were those like Live Strong, like those rubber ones? Yeah, those but... were big. Yeah, and then they kind of lost their meaning. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay, so while Cruz opens the elevator door or the elevator panel, um, Holly rants about the state of the world, and I mean she's not wrong. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Like, she's completely accurate. Everything she said, I was like, no, that's right. That's right. That's right. But still, time and place. It's just time and place. Yeah, I was going to say time and place. Yeah. Like, you're not helping the situation right now. No, you're kind of making it worse. No. But I'm glad that they're, I'm glad that they're reflecting, you know, a lot of everybody's frustrations right now in the show. Because she was just like, disease has wiped out a ton of people. Half the country hates the other country. Everything's falling apart. I'm like, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Yep. Same. Same, same. Yeah. So so Herman counters her story with this story about Cindy's pregnancy with Lee Henry. The biggest soundbite out of this, never mind that, you know, everything turned out fine. Lee Henry is 21. I know. Crazy. What the hell did that happen? Crazy. I, I don't know. If Lee Henry is 21, that means Eva is probably like roughly the same age. She might be like 1920. Antonio's That's daughter. Wild. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, which means Diego is probably, like, right behind. So if, if Eva's, like, tw- 19 or 20. He's going to be, like, 16? 16, 17. 17, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's really crazy is next year will mark 10 years of Chicago Fire. That's wild. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's been 10 years. I mean, it hasn't been for me, but, like, still crazy. So crazy. Yeah. Time, man. But we get into one of Herman's signature pep talks. Joe, you have seen enough of this world to know that sucker punches can come from every which way. But there is more good than bad out there. I promise you that. This is kind of like last week when Dr. Charles reminded Ethan about the serenity prayer. Like, I feel like we all needed to hear that. Yeah, for sure. It's nice. For sure. Yeah. So, and he's not done either. Just wait, there's more. <laughs> Brenda, take it from here. Yeah. So then all of a sudden we, because again, we, their radios aren't working. So they've tried to get in touch with everyone for 51. They can't, but they can still hear their conversations up on the 10th floor. So you hear sp- you know, Sever trying to talk to Casey and, you know, those radios are even going out or whatever. But then all of a sudden they hear over the radios like Mayday, Mayday, Mouches down. And, of course, we start freaking out. Everyone in the elevator is freaking out. I mean, we don't need a repeat of what season was that? Season six finale? Was was that the same season as You're My Miracle? Or no. was Yeah. Was it season five? I think it was five. Because it wasn't the finale where Gabby, like, leaves, right? No, because... So then it's season five. It's the same season as You're My Miracle. Yeah, yeah. But either way, we don't need a repeat of that. No. And it, for really, for a good second, it felt like we were about to get a repeat of that. And I was like, oh, shit. I had a split, like, five seconds there where I was like, they wouldn't, would they? Like, they're not about to kill Mouch, are they? Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, we don't need this in episode five. Please mm-hmm. don't give me this. Right. Um. But yeah. And so Holly smells smoke. She start again, she's freaking out. And she decides that it would be a great idea to mess with the reset panel and ends up getting electrocuted because she is smart. Like, 
even if I'm nervous and freaking out, I don't think I'm going to go up and mess with electrical wires that I don't know how to navigate. Even in a normal, like, circumstance, I don't even like to touch electrical wires because I don't know what I'm doing. She is so lucky. Yeah, she got really lucky. Yeah. Big time. Have you ever been electrocuted before? No. Have you? No, but my brother has. That's why I was asking. Oh, my God. I mean, like, small ones, but, like, it it freaked me out. Like, even learning that he got electrocuted and I, mm, no way. No way. That's got to be terrifying. Yeah. Um... But anyway, so Herman and Cruz come up with this idea to lighten their load. So Cruz bores a small hole into the ground. Herman makes a funnel out of a traffic cone. And they pour the paint stripper out of the elevator. Yeah. Um, Fun fact. So earlier in the episode when I noticed those barrels, I was like, these are going to come into play. I was definitely Googling how to to read a hazardous chemicals label. Definitely. (laughs) It was funny. But this is why I love you. I'm, I'm, yeah, this is my level of nerd, right? Is that like, you know, I, I the details. And so I learned that because, you know, it's a diamond shape, right? So the number in the right corner, like, because it's like there's one in the left corner, one on top, and then one in the right corner. The number on the right corner apparently indicates the potential for the substance to combust, you know, spontaneously go like poof. Um, but this one had a zero on it. So I was like, we're good. It's not that bad. But then you cut Joe looking at it and Joe's like, oh, man, this is like really crazy stuff. It's super flammable. I'm like, wait. So <laughs> that's that's my story. Me learning uh, ridiculous things. Yeah. But so Cruz, Holly has started to affect everyone because all of a sudden Cruz starts to wonder if she is right about the world being too tragic to bring a kid into But then, as Gina said, we get yet another Herman pep talk, and it's just... Joe, you listen to me. You listen to me good. This country is not just what's out there and the news. It starts in a home, in a family. The country that your child is going to see, the one that's going to make them who they are, that is the country of Joe... And Chloe Cruz. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we got a good Herman speech. And so the fact that we got two in this episode is just, like, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I love a good Herman speech. It's like a warm blanket. It It really is, though. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, So Holly finally wakes up and Cruz calls Herman the grumpiest optimist you'll ever meet, which is accurate. It is really accurate. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't know if I'd call Herman an optimist, but... Yeah, I could see it. I think he's more optimistic than not. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so Cruz finally loosens the hatch enough for them to escape. And they're on top of the elevator shaft, which is, of course, where their radios finally start to work. So they're able to call up to 51. 51 comes down. Squad ends up saving the day because, of course, they do. And yeah, so we're outside. Herman tells Cruz that he was glad he was the one that was in the elevator with him and congratulates him again on you know having a baby and then we see mouch come out of the building and it's just like okay we can all like sigh huge relief um and herman does too and he goes to hug mouch and it's just amazing i'm dying to know what exactly happened outside of the elevator because like you see casey and severide walking out and casey's like what the hell did you even do and Severide's like i don't know i just kind of did it (laughs) again yeah i love that i love that so much so funny so i kind of want to know that and also that scene when cruz was like i kind of felt like somebody else was up there with us 
Ugh. I know. Again, the Otis references. One killed me more than the next. I know. I know. Who do you think is going to be godfather of the cruise baby? You know, we. I was thinking about this. I feel like it has to be. Well, okay. Part of it wonders if it's going to be Herman just based on this episode. Oh, I didn't even think of that. But like just because of this episode and the way everything unfolded and blah, blah, blah. But I like part of me also wonders maybe it'll be Severide again. Maybe we'll be seeing Godfather Severide again just because Severide was his best man in his wedding. Uh, I feel like it'd be a little weird if it was anyone else. Yeah. I don't feel like it's going to be anyone else. I feel like it's either going to be Herman or Severide. That's good. Yeah, I can see that. But God- honestly, God, they'll probably get the Godfather title and then never be seen. Like, we won't actually see Godfather, you know, because we've literally never seen Godfather Severide except for when he becomes a Godfather. Mm-hmm. I would say Stella would be Godmother, but I don't know. Auntie I Stella. It, yeah, I was going to say, I think it either has to be Stella or Brett only because they were the ones standing next to Chloe on her wedding day. That's a little awkward if it's Brett, though, isn't it? Because they used to date. I mean, but Brett was in the bridesmaid in the wedding, so I don't think it's that weird. And, like, Brett and Cruz were roommates after that. Do you think Chloe even knows about Brett and Cruz? I feel like so. But, like, Brett and Cruz weren't really that serious. Like, Cruz was way more into her than she ever was into him. No, you're exactly right. But also, they were still a thing. They were a thing, but, like, they're clearly not. It's clearly not awkward. Again, they lived together for years after that, so. That's a good question. Oh, my God. What if it's Lily for Godmother? Ugh. Gina. Lily. Why are you doing this to me? Because she's, like, the last part of Otis that they have. I know, but, like, my emotions. I can't handle this. I can't. I can't. I'm going to make us cry on the podcast. Yeah, you're really going to make me cry. <laughs> yeah so um we did ask joe how he feels about joe being a dad because i mean we asked joe minoso about joe cruz being a dad gotta specify there um, but yeah we we just said we were like you know is joe ever gonna like is he gonna get over the shock like did you get over the shock and he said he's like i think excitement is more the right word he said, something tells me Cruz has been building up to being a father his whole life. It's like he wants to make up for all the failings of his own father. My heart. I love that. And that's backstory that obviously he's created because we don't know anything. I mean, we don't really know anything about Joe's parents. Yeah. Which I love that, though. Yeah, I love it. I did, I was half tempted to, like, ask follow-ups and be like, wait a second, what do you know about Cruz's father? And then I was like, don't. Don't. That's for the next time he comes on the podcast. Don't bother Joe. Gina, stop That's it. That's for the next time he comes on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, good stuff. Um, we had a lot of messages from you guys about this episode because, yeah, I mean, it was such a strong episode. One of the best episodes of Chicago Fire of all time, I'd say. Yeah, um, definitely. So, Alyssa said, all caps, Cruz is going to be a dad. One of my first thoughts was they better not screw this up, especially because of how many pregnancies they've screwed up on these shows. Um, mm-hmm, 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 just... Yeah. Are we worried about a one Chicago pregnancy for Chloe? Um, I mean, I'm a little worried, right? But, like, I feel like, at least on Fire, the non-main characters have much better luck because Donna and Cindy have both successfully had children. So I'm a little more optimistic. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. 
She said, Chloe is not a main character, though, so her odds are better. And then she put in parentheses, also channeling some of that Herman optimism. That needs to be like a mantra. Just like wake up in the morning and be like, okay, Herman optimism. Like channel that Herman optimism. (laughs) Yeah. She said, I can't wait for the rest of the firehouse to find out. And I'm so excited to see Joe and Chloe as parents. Oh, my God. I can't wait for the firehouse to find out. They're going to Okay, Who do you think, though, does Joe, do Joe and Chloe actually get to tell them? Or did Herman spill the beans, even though he says he's not going to? Oh, Herman spills the beans and then tells everyone to act surprised. Accurate. Yeah. 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 He's I I could see him spilling it to like the whole to everybody like in the kitchen and then stopping and being like, oh, crap. And then just telling everybody to be surprised. Accurate. Yeah. So. Um, Megan said, the Otis reference got me in the f- so in the feels. Miss him dearly. I agree with the fans on Twitter who hope that Cruz names his child after him, whether it's a boy or girl. Brianna is the perfect girl's name and a tribute to his best friend at the same time. Uh, it's got to be a boy. And it's got to be Brian Otis Cruz. Has to. I feel, like th- I feel like if they don't do that, then like, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Like, what are we actually doing if they don't have a child? Because they can, the writers can do whatever they want. So, like, what, what are we doing here? Oh man, I know, I know. Makes this me nervous. This is real life where you kind of have to hope and pray. But like, this is literally television. We can make it happen. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So Catherine said, "When is someone gonna smack some sense into Severide?" Amen. Uh, she said, I swear to God, if he loses Stella over his stupidity, he's not going to be my fire fave anymore. And after this episode, Cruz is going to take his place. I mean, Cruz is everybody's fire fave, though. I mean, it's so hard to rank. I can't really rank. Uh, yeah, I can't. That This must be what it feels like when somebody asks who's your favorite child. Like, I just I can't. You have favorites for different reasons, but they're all your favorites. They're just for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Samantha said, all the Otis references had me in my feels, and this is so much. Otis is definitely one character death I will never get over right after Uncle Keith. Oh, Samantha, making the One Tree Hill reference for us. I know. We didn't do it yet, so she did it for us. What are some fictional deaths you'll never get over? Ooh, um, Ripley on Station 19 is kind of the more recent one. Um... I mean, there's a ton, unfortunately. I mean, Denny Duquette comes to mind as like a kind of like a. Oh, no. Before, honestly, scratch Denny Duquette. Well, that's the sad death. Henry on Grey's Anatomy. Yes! Actually, like, killed me. As like this, in the same way that Ripley on Station 19 killed me. Henry's was a doozy. That one actually killed me. I scratch all, scratch the Denny Duquette one. That's an obvious answer. Henry on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, that, that one, that one fucked a lot of people up. Yeah. I just, um, like, for that image of Christina, like, finding out that it was Henry, like, because she didn't know it was Henry when she operated, and then she kind of, like, breaks down. That image is, like, burned in my brain forever. That was the first season I watched live of Grey's Anatomy. Like, I had binged it up until then, and then I watched that season live, and I, like, was like, oh, man, do I keep watching? Like, <laughs> what am I doing here? Yeah, it killed me. I think my like my number one fictional death is so it's so weird and it's so obscure, but it's Declan from Revenge. That's a I mean that's a yeah. Just because yeah. like he was so young, and if I remember correctly, because I mean this happened a long time ago, it's not fresh fresh in my brain, but like it was like wrong place, wrong time, or something. And I think the bomb was meant for somebody else. I don't yeah. I think so yeah, and then obviously just the way that Jack handles that and yeah. Because Jack, like, literally loses everything because of Emily. 
Yeah, but yet somehow still ends up with her. I'm just saying. Emily did not deserve him. Nope. We don't need to get into this, though. That's for a different podcast. I will die yes. on that hill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That and, like, yeah. Tony Stark. I'll never get over that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, gosh, all the Marvel ones. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Vision, I mean, Vision's up there, too, because Vision's was just cruel in Infinity War. Natasha's is up there, too. Yeah, yeah. Marvel TikTok is has been, like, my favorite thing in these past couple of weeks because, like, you know, we all have things that we're doing to stay sane in the pandemic, right? And Marvel TikTok is, like, where I'm at. And there's a consensus among all the TikTokers that do Marvel stuff that it definitely should have been Clint, <laughs> which I is mean, harsh. It is a little harsh, but, like, I don't know. Just, I don't know. I... Clint will always hold a special place in my heart. So, like, either way, it all hurts. It all hurts. Yeah. Man, fictional deaths. Always cruel. But honestly, though, most of them come from Grey's Anatomy. Because, like, I could name off a whole lot more from Grey's Anatomy that, like, also killed me. Al's was definitely a stinger on PD. Oh, I mean, yeah. Nadia's. Uh, oh, God. Justin Anna's. Voight's. I cried rivers at Justin Voight's death. Anna's. I mean. Oh, my yeah. God. That one, I think Anna's is probably, like, the most emotional for me. But, yeah. Do we need to do a bonus up where we, like, it's, like, power rankings of the most brutal <laughs> Chicago deaths? Oh, man. That would be... Unfortunately, though, we could build a top five, and that's sad. We really could, though. That is sad. Otis? How... I mean, Otis? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just... It's all bad. It's a laugh-until-you-cry situation, right? Yeah. yeah accurate so casey said wow throughout the episode i was mentally trying to prepare myself for someone to die and it was not going well see we're conditioned for this stuff yeah <laughs> joe and david acted the heck out of that episode i'm usually not a fan of the call only episodes but this one blew the rest out of the water yeah exactly she said the story about lee henry not knowing what was going to happen to mouch it was just so intense and had me on the edge of my seat the whole episode in my opinion this was one of the best episodes of chicago fire in a long time she said i liked how they took a break from the bretzy and stellaride stuff and lastly i'm so excited for cruz to be a dad yeah agree joe and, and david baby. did joe and david killed this episode oh crushed it murdered it yeah yeah so so good i think david would would be a fun interview too David would be so he's so funny. He is funny. Yeah. And his his background before acting is just like fascinating to me. You know, he was in the military. I only know that because you told me that. Yeah. He and his I wife, they met in the military. Him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he'd be fun for like a full like one on one, like in depth interview. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He'd be pretty fun. So any other notes on fire? Just another great, great, great episode. Really great. Like up there. One of the best all time. So yeah, moving into PD. Okay, so the 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 challenge with these episodes was that it was like you kind of felt like three completely distinct and contrasting emotions throughout the night. Like Med was rage, Fire was just like <laughs> feels or just like emotions, and just like mm. PD was just kind of like, huh? Accurate. Yeah, yeah. I I I felt kind of like. A little, like, uneasy after the episode. We'll get into but it. But I also felt ragey at times, too. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Definitely so. the whole spectrum of feelings. For yeah. It was, it was odd. So so we're going to talk about Berzik because, you know, hey, now, we love to talk about Berzik. But 
We start the episode with domestic Berzik. I mean, hashtag blessed. We really were hashtag blessed for these like first two scenes. We really were. So they come home from a night out at whatever bar they went to. O'Malley's. It's not Molly's. I don't know. But which like why not Molly's? Two questions. Why not Molly's? And second of all, you guys did wear your masks, right? And like you, you sat outside with your beers, right? Right. Right. I would assume. I mean, well, probably not outside because it's like negative 20 in Chicago at this point. Oh, my God. I, I I would like to imagine the Chicago bar scene has heated patios, but I could be very wrong. I don't live there. I live in the South. Do so. we think the Molly's patio has um heated outside? Heated like lamps and stuff? I think it does. But I think Herman probably was really pissed about spending the money on the heat lamps. But if it gets visitors, then I don't think he cares. Yeah. Because, bingo. Like, episode last week where we see you know like it was like all the Casey and Brett stuff that was like outside at the patio at Molly's I was like they're kind of wearing things that like don't fit for this episode yeah because if you're really like outside in the winter in Chicago it just doesn't work right right so um they get home and Ruzik spills beer all over Kim's rug and this is just the cutest thing this is where we got those really adorable promo photos of them cuddling um but I like when Ruzik's just like, I hated that rug. Like I wanted to get my rug and put it in here. They're just so domestic and adorable. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I just so cute. So cute. But yeah, he's just like, I hate that rug. Like I hate it. <laughs> and then they end up just like making out and sleeping together. And it's just perfect. Yeah, it really the whole scene is just amazing. Oh, my God. In that moment when she's like, so are you going to clean it up or anything? And he's like, no, like, I'm I'm too comfortable and you're very warm. And I'm like, yeah, hi. And I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. So good. They're so cute. I can't handle it. So that's like perfect in and of itself. Well, we cut to the next morning and they're getting coffee and they have this really cute talk about Adam's beard. And like, you see, like Kim does this little like face squish. That's just the cutest. Oh, I need that in a gif like right now. It's there, it's out there somewhere, but I'll make one for sure. But like the smile on his face when she does that, I, I just. I die. Berzik induced bliss. They're just so cute. <sighs> yeah. So then they get in the car and Adam's like, you know, like we could do this on the regular, you know, dating. And she basically tells him that now she knows exactly what she wants. I want all of it, Adam. I want I want the proposal. I want getting married in some bad banquet hall. I want to have babies. I want the job. I want the mess. I want the whole thing. So want to talk to me about dating? Yes. Why? Is she the only one on the planet who realizes, like, she she just doesn't realize that Adam can give all of that to her. Adam would give that all to her if she said the word. Right. And, like, he was, I feel like, so close to, but then they got interrupted because she said she's, like, still want to talk to me about dating. And he's like, yes. Like, it's not like he said no. He just didn't get to finish his thought. He, he would run to, like, the ends of the earth to pull together everything she wants. And I think she knows that, too, but she's so stubborn. Right. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he literally answered her question as yes. <laughs> like, I, yes. But then if you think about the alternative, this is what kills me, is that she's like, I know what I want. I want it all. I want this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And she she has it in her head that Ruzik can't give that to her. Does she really think she's going to find what she has with Ruzik with another person? Right. I mean, clearly not, because she's tried. I mean, well, she tried with Roman, and then she tried with Blair, and that didn't work. So she keeps ending back up at Adam. Yeah. Yeah. So 
they're adorable. But they're so they're working on their case and they're at the DCFS center and they run into Michaela. Um, you know, sweet baby Michaela from two episodes prior, and she runs right over to Cam. It's a pretty cute moment. I love this moment. It like oh, my heart. Yeah. My heart. Yeah. So Kim's trying to figure out, she's like, well, what the hell are you doing here? And, you know, she can't really get a clue on what's going on. So later on in the bullpen, Burgess finds out that Michaela's aunt had missed a few pickups at school. So the teacher had to call DCFS, but they're reunited now. Everything's fine. Whatever. So they're leaving the district. Kim and Adam are leaving the district. And Burgess makes this comment about how the case is reminding her of, you know, when they lost the baby. Do you ever wonder if... Maybe that's the reason we're even closer now. Like, why we want to be together all the time. Why we act like a couple. Because of this terrible thing that happened to us. Uh, of course it is. What? That's not a good thing, Adam. Why not? Because it's not real. It's not closeness. It's just trauma. It's not real? No. Kim, hold on. Yeah. So you and I, we've always been us, right? Then we were going to have a baby. So we fell in love with something together, then we lost something together. I mean, sometimes trauma just brings people closer. Why is it not real? This kills me because, like, how can she say that? I It really bugs me. Like, I get that, you know, people can have different opinions on things, but I can't believe the fact that, like, she actually doesn't believe that it's just, you know, trauma can't bring people together. Because it, to me, it does. Like, it can, clearly. Um, you know, we were talking about this the last time we tried to record this. But I think, you know, with my mom having passed last year, not that I wasn't close to my dad and my brother before that. Obviously, I was. Mm-hmm. But I think, honestly, that and me moving back home because of that has brought us even closer together. Like, I can't imagine not having the same relationship that I have with them now because it's, you know, it's changed a lot in the last nine months. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that I mean, that part in and of itself, I'm like, damn, Kim. But it, the, the part where she's like, it's not real. Did she really just say that to him? Like, did she not even think of how that was going to land on him? Right. And again, like, I can understand if she, you know, feels something different than he does. But like, for her to think that his feelings aren't valid is like, whoa, that's a low blow. Yeah, and that, that's a good point you bring up because we did we did get a tweet um, from somebody talking about this that, you know, it's important to remember that Adam suffered a trauma too. You know, mm-hmm. he, he found her in the bathtub that night. You know, he's the one who, you know, he lost a baby as well. He suffered a trauma too. And so to say that it's not real is just so dismissive of, of him in general. Right. Yeah. I just, it really, this whole conversation really, I was like, whoa, okay. And not in a good way. Eight seasons of every Burzik scene that has ever happened. And she's really going to sit there and be like, it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. She was pretty, pretty frustrating in this episode. I'm not going to lie. Burgess later on, she asked Kevin when everybody else is out of earshot, she asked Kevin what he needed when he was first raising Jordan and Vanessa. And he just said everything. He was only 21, so he needed everything. So so Kim goes to see Kathy and just kind of tells her, you know, I can help you with whatever you might need. But Kathy's like, I can't do this anymore. And she actually gives Michaela back to DCFS. So um, Kim kind of oversteps here. She kind of channeled her inner Natalie Manning in this episode. A little bit. Now that you say that, that it's a really good comparison. But yeah, I definitely think her heart was in the right place. But I think she should have, you know 
maybe approached it differently. I don't really know if there was a better way to approach it. But yeah, I, her heart was in the right place, though. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Brian, take it from here. Okay. So, Burgess actually ends up getting a call from Alana about Burgess's confrontations with Kathy. And, you know, Alana saying that, you know, like, what you just said, she overstepped and blah, blah, blah. And Burgess is like, wait a second, like, you're Michaela's social worker and we're not going to talk about Michaela? And Burgess is like, well, what happens if, you know, like, Michaela would c- were to come home with me? And Alana reminds her that, you know, obviously there are very real issues that she might not have considered. And Alana just says, you know, Michaela deserves someone committed. Like, you can't make a decision like this in a moment when life seems unfair. Which, it's important to remember the context of when this happened because Burgess is really frustrated with everything going on in the case they're dealing with right now that has to deal with a bunch of foster kids who are about to age out of the system. Mm -hmm. And she's really frustrated because that's not really going the way that she really wants it to go. And so I think it's important to remember that in the context of everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And so Burgess ends up having another talk with Kevin and this is towards the end of the episode. And she mentions how a couple months after the baby, she actually ended up looking up the girl she saved and she's never told anyone that except, you know, not even Adam. Mm-hmm. And, but what she tells Kevin is that the mom said she actually hasn't seen her daughter in months. So it makes Burgess kind of feel like, okay, well, what was all of that for? Um, and Burgess honestly asks Kevin, like what he would think if she took Michaela in. What would you think if I took Michaela in? <laughs> I think that would change her life. I know I'm not her family. I know I'm a cop. I'm white. I know these are real things. You're right. You are not her family. And you are white. So you're going to be up against a lot. I think I can do right by her. I love that she went to Kevin for this. I love this conversation. Same, same. And I'm glad that they still highlight that Bridgewater friendship. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen a good, like, Bergewater scene that's not, like, also Adam. I think she knows what she's going to get with Adam. And so sometimes she'll go to Kevin if she needs, you know, if she legit needs advice, I think she'll go to Kevin. But I think she knows she knows what she's going to get with Adam, which is why she's not always so upfront with him. And I think she knows that he, especially with everything he's gone through recently, like, he's going to set her straight and, like, tell her the truth in terms of, like, the optics of how it looks, the fact that she's a cop and she's white and she's adopting or fostering a black child. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, and he's going to set her straight on how the thing, and he even says, he's like, you know, you're right. Like, you're not her family and you are right. So, like, you're going to be up against a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Right. But, Yeah. And then we get to the kind of the meat of the, honestly, I think the big scene of the episode um, where Burgess talks to Adam about the whole situation. And he, she tells him, you know, Michaela's not with Kathy anymore. And he's like, oh, dang, like, you know, that's sad. And he's like, so where's Michaela going to go? And she's like, with me. And he's like, well, do you mean like permanently or temporary? And she said, well, you know, it's permanent for now, but it be- could become, you know, more permanent. Okay, have you thought that through? I mean, what would that even look like? I don't know. Kim? Adam, you can say whatever you want to say. It's not about what I want to say. It's just, I mean, that's a lot, you know? You know you can't replace what we lost. I'm not trying to. I feel something for this kid. I do. I feel close to her. I understand, but just yesterday we are talking about trauma, and you told me how that's not real, right? Right? Well, what if you're right? What if it doesn't matter? 
I know that this might change what we have, you know, what we can have. Kim, that's not why I'm saying any of this. It's just not. I'm always going to be in your life. That's not going to change. It's just this is like... I'm a little worried that this is a reaction. That you just can't stand the idea of seeing another kid lost. I mean, Adam's not wrong. No, he's not. Not at all. He's got a point, which, I mean, I think everybody was really quick to just be like, oh, like, F you, Adam. Like, you're just, you know, not supporting her. That's stupid. But no, I think Adam, Adam made some good points. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so hard. But like, and again, because Kim... Kim is doing the right thing, and Kim does have good intentions. It's not like she's just like, oh, yeah, I should foster this child, blah, 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 blah. Like, Kim has good intentions, too, but, like, you said, it's one of those things where it's like, how is... How does she not know that it's not just, like, a reaction to something? Right, right. And that that's what Adam's getting at, is that Adam knows her. As much as she hates that, Adam knows her, and Adam knows her well. Knows her better than anyone. Yeah, so he is not out of line saying what he says. It's we we've all got that friend who knows us better than we know ourselves, and they give you that cold hard truth and are like, you know, I know you. This is how you tick. That's not going to work. Yeah, he's not necessarily saying like it's not going to work, but you know, he's just trying to get her to like potentially see you know other things that she's not considering. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, and then the episode ends and we see that Burgess does get Michaela and Michaela goes home with her and that's kind of where the episode ends. I was surprised that they went through with that. Yeah, and I'm like I'm curious to see, I mean, supposedly it's going to she's going to be around for a while and so I'm excited. It'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, I just I, I felt a little uneasy after this episode just because it was kind of a now what kind of thing. I mean, and plus, if you look at Kim's face when she's pulling off the lot, her face looks so uneasy. Well, I think she just feels overwhelmed because even like she doesn't know how some how to do something simple as like put the car seat in the car. Yeah. Like she realizes that and she's like, oh, shit, like reality is finally starting to set in. I don't think she feels uneasy. I think just reality is started to set in, settle in. It's not like a oh, Michaela comes home for me for one night, maybe a couple nights, you know, mm -hmm. while a situation's being finished. Okay, fine. That's a different situation. And then, like, no, Michaela's going to come home with me for, like, good for a little bit. It's crazy. So, yeah. 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 So Marina did a couple of interviews um, with a couple different outlets. She spoke with a uh, friend of the pod, Emily Longaretta, at Us Weekly. She spoke with friend of the pod, Ashley Summerall, over at Telltale TV. Uh, she talked with Hollywood Life. She talked to a couple different outlets. So... Um, over on Hollywood Life, she said this is going to change her calculus of what matters, what's important, and that may mean putting less, in less time into the relationship with Ruzik and spending less time and nights at his place. She added that Burgess and Ruzik both still need to grow, but I think they're endgame for sure. Okay, I'm not going to disagree with Marina, but also, like, how much more growing do they need to do? It's been eight freaking years. Right, and we went on, like, a couple season hiatus where they didn't even barely interact, so, like... You know, I, I mean, I don't really think they need to grow. I think Adam knows what he wants. Kim knows what she wants, but they're both just like, they just can't put it together. Right. Because they fall into the one Chicago trap of not being able to communicate. Ah! Ah! Yeah. Lord, I'm going to learn so many relationship lessons from this damn show about how to communicate. <laughs> I swear to God. 
That's going to be fun. Bryna, don't pull an April. <laughs> yeah, don't pull a Burgess. Don't pull a Severide. Like, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so over at Us Weekly, uh, Marina told Emily that um, there is for sure a world in which Burgess and Roots compare at Michaela together. Um, and Burgess, or Marina says, I would love it. It would be so sweet. Um, and it says they would have to get on the same page. Um, and Marina says, I do want it. Um, that's ultimately what I would love. But also for everything that Ruzik says, he hasn't stepped up. He hasn't shown up at her door being like, let's do this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not going to disagree with Marina. She knows Kim better than we know her. But I just don't know. I mean, like, what is he supposed to do? Be like, show up at her door being like, yes, I want to be with you and only you. Like, I, I feel like he's been saying that forever. He probably won't just up and say it because he's afraid that she's going to turn him down. Well, I mean, and he literally, even in the beginning of this episode, she's like, still want to talk about dating? And he's like, yes. Yeah. I mean, like, how is that not, like, how does he not? <sighs> I know. I don't understand how she doesn't know. I don't understand. Yeah. But anyway, um, it also says, you know, while they agreed on the trauma, that the trauma had brought them closer together, they disagreed on whether that's a good thing or bad thing. Um, she's like, no, it's not real. I tend to believe my character's point of view. I think it's not real, but I also think that because they've had so much history and they love each other so much, even without the trauma, they're still close. They have a very complicated relationship. I couldn't even unpack it. It would take years of therapy. I find it interesting that Marina said she tends to believe her character's point of view, which again, I don't, you know, she knows, you know, Burgess better than we do. And, you know, she's the actress. We're not. But I, I don't know. I personally have a hard time agreeing with that. So I that that I find the the relationship between an actor and a character just like fascinating. Yeah. Like, yeah. That that's something that I would I would I would want to ask like other actors on the show and be like, you know, what do you think of your character doing this? Yeah. <laughs> hey Nick, what do you think of every time Will does illegal shit? Right. Like, should he actually be fired or? <laughs> Are you just like, yeah, well, go on with your bad self. Because that means I'm still employed. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so over at Give Me My Remote, Marina said, um, yeah, so, it, uh, well, not Marina said, but Give Me My Remote said, you know, the move was a bit bittersweet with Burgess's ex, Ruzik, warning her that this might be a move based from trauma after losing their child a year ago. It has been a year. Uh, the screenshot popped up in my time hop like today. Same. It was the tweet of me say, or us talking about how, like, that was the episode we read, just recorded in our Nate Santana interview. And I was like, oh, damn. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So Marina said, I don't think it's her thinking clearly, but I don't think that robs her at the agency of the decision. No, I mean, I think Marina's right there. I, I don't think she's thinking clearly. Yeah, I agree, too, though. Um, Marina said in that she's doing it and it's a hard, it's a thing I think we'll, she'll love and it's wonderful. But I think it's hard for her to think clearly. She has a connection with this little girl. I think she's missing something. And those two things go hand in hand. And to me, that's OK. Yeah, totally OK. We're all doing what we need to do to survive right now. And that's what she needs. And go ahead. Yeah. Um, but it also continues to say, while Square Chatty is n- isn't clear how long this arc may last, it certainly seems like it'll be around for the foreseeable future. I don't know what it means long term, like if in season 20, Michaela is going to be with me, but I do know they really want to. And I think it's wonderful to tackle motherhood within a department, motherhood within policing, motherhood within a job in general, but in a dangerous job. So I think Michaela will be with Burgess for hopefully a long time because that's a dish we haven't really served before. And I think it could offer some really interesting elements to the show. I'm glad that I'm glad that she's clarifying that. And she's just saying this is something that they're wanting to examine because 
I mean, I think we always get worried that we're just like, okay, this is really the corner we're going to write this female character into and that like all she wants is to be a mom. So I'm glad she's clarifying that, that they're, that's not what they're looking to do. They're looking to explore, you know, motherhood within the job of policing. Well, and I do think that's important too, right? Like, yeah. I think, like, again, we've never had a mom within the unit. Um, we had Jules, so, but she lasted all of 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, so I, I think it's, I think it's, I mean, and obviously we've had like Antonio and we had Alinsky and Voight, like we've had fathers, mm-hmm. but not mothers. And I think it, it is obviously different. And so I, I'm glad they are going to explore that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you guys had a lot of thoughts on this, which we love. A lot. A, a lot, lot. lot. So Alyssa said, I don't know how Kim doesn't see that Adam clearly loves her so much. And they're already basically an old married couple. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. She said in the car when she told him she wanted everything, it was written all over Adam's face that he clearly wanted to give her everything she was talking about. I just hope Kim sees that soon and decides to let him in and give it another real shot. Also, Adam is right. There's nothing wrong with growing closer in the aftermath aftermath of the miscarriage. It's absolutely just as real. Yes. I'd honestly kind of be. I don't know if shock's the right word. Like, I'd honestly be more surprised if they didn't grow closer because of that. Right, right. If they didn't grow closer, I think it would start to show cracks in the foundation of the relationship. It would make us question if they really are endgame. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Alyssa goes on to say that she's really glad they're continuing to address the miscarriage, even though it's heartbreaking to relive. It's definitely more realistic as it was a huge defining event for Berzik. It also feels more of a well-thought-out storyline, unlike the Dossie, which felt like a cop-out since they barely even talked about it afterwards, even when they were fostering Louie, which I definitely agree with we got grouchy casey for one episode and that was about it yeah and i literally don't think they've ever brought up 404 again well that's because we don't talk about 404 i mean you know what i'm saying though like they don't as the characters even talk about it we don't talk about it except to say it's 404 but like yeah it came up at the end of season six of course because that's what led to you know them fighting and everything but Yeah, yeah but like throw it in while they're divorcing yeah but other than that they've literally never brought it up again um which feels just really unrealistic so um emily said i feel like Berserk fans are being pulled in again only to be crushed frankly it's getting frustrating to watch over and over you would think the show would try to give fans what they want Versic fans want to see them navigate a relationship and working together, even if it is raising Michaela. I can't see Kim taking in a child and Adam not being there. He literally told her he would always be there. What more of a declaration does she need? Sounds like he's trying to show up. Exactly. And I think in this situation, what Adam might do, I think he might step back just to give Kim some space, not Mm -hmm. realizing that like, hey, you could show up on the doorstep and she would be like, come on in. Yeah. Yeah. I've done I've actually done that a couple times when like um, one of my best friends from like the fifth grade um, when she had her first baby I actually I took a step back because I was like she's got her hands full like she does not want me like up in her face and then when we finally like we had an argument a couple months like later and she was just like where were you so I could see Adam doing that not realizing that Kim wants the exact opposite. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how he reacts to mm-hmm. all of this. Because right now we saw his reaction to learning the news, but that can obviously be very different once he's had like time to sleep on it from how he actually reacts. So, And in this case, I think I would grant him more leeway than I do Severide and what he's currently doing because Severide knows better. 
Yeah, I mean, and Severide literally has changed his, he's done that time and time again, and then said, I'm going to be the man that you deserve, and is not being the man that you deserve, or she deserves, so. Exactly, exactly, so. Megan said, Adam is more mature now than the last time they were together. He's more than capable of being a husband and father to Kim and their future children. What they have is very real. Amen, sister. Yep. Um, Catherine said, I love, 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 love the Kathy Michaela story. I'm a big fan of mental health storyline and actually think it's noble of her to give up Michaela in order to manage. And more importantly, even for Michaela to have a possibility of getting through her own trauma with people that can actually help her. Mm-hmm. Agree. Um, and then she goes on to say, my basic feelings were everywhere tonight. Literally the talks about the baby, their situation. And the fact that Kim refuses to believe that Adam loves her with everything he has and has the purest feelings for her infuriates me. Yeah. Say it louder for the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's in freaking denial. And I hate it. Also the level of trust that they have with each other to be able to talk practically about everything is exactly why they're ready to be together. Just hoping they don't throw a grabby Dawson at Kim again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was concerned when I when I saw that they were going this route. I was like, are we literally just gonna cut copy and paste what happened to Gabby? Like, but it seems like they're taking it in a different direction. So we'll see. Um, Zach said, I know Burgess had a lot against her being a white woman who's a cop taking in a young black girl. But at the end of the day, I believe that Burgess's heart is in the right place and that she will do all that she can for Michaela. Hopefully Adam can see that what she's doing and will do all that he can to support her. And even though Burgess can't see it now, being that she's still dealing with the trauma from the miscarriage, I hope that maybe one day Burgess can be together and that Adam can give her the kind of wedding that she described. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Teresa said, while I'm happy Burgess is taken to Michaela, I can't help but think what Adam said to her has truth in it. Oh, it totally does. Yep. Totally does. Accurate, accurate. Yeah. So Haley said, it was completely unfair for her to say what they have isn't real. Maybe it's not real for her, but it's most certainly real for him, and she needs to respect that. I completely get that Burgess is the most affected by losing the baby because she was the one who went through the physical and emotional trauma, but I feel like sometimes we gloss over the fact that Ruzik lost a baby too, and he's probably suffering in his own way. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I think, and I, I think too, I think we're, I think Adam probably... Not that he has like the same levels, but Adam's probably feeling some things too about it that he doesn't share for Kim's sake. Right. And just because Burgess feels one way doesn't mean Adam can't feel other things in Mm -hmm. addition to what she's feeling or different things. And yeah, like that's because they experience trauma with the same event doesn't mean their feelings are also going to be the exact same about it. Exactly. Exactly. So Haley goes on to say he's always been in love with Burgess and wanted a family with her. And I think part of him thought that it was never going to happen. So when it finally did, he was excited to have at least a part of her and then it got taken away. Yeah. She said Ruzik's whole point last year was that he didn't like her being out in the field because he wanted to keep her and the baby safe. And I'm sure he's angry with himself that he couldn't get to them faster and could blame himself for what happened. So for her to say it's not real and his feelings aren't valid, it's just some traumatic experience that both just happened to go through. It's a little insulting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Haley just like preaching here. Um she also went on to say, it's also not fair for her to just brush Rizik off with the whole Michaela thing as proof that he's not ready. She sprung it on him at the end of the episode, never actually had a real conversation with about with him about it, and let him consider if he wanted to be involved, and didn't really care to hear his argument about it simply because it wasn't what she wanted to hear. Um, she does this a lot in regards to him. Mm-hmm. Fostering a child is a huge decision, even if you are in love with someone and want a future with them, you should still be allowed time to process 
Kim had already made up her mind, so why does it matter what he thinks? It sort of made me think of the push test where she was testing him to see how committed he was, but because he didn't give her the answer that she wanted, obviously he doesn't care about her. That makes no sense. Fucking he just Roman. Needed time... <laughs> Fucking Roman. He just needed time to think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, Haley just in her entire email, like kept going on and on after this, but like literally everything, I was like, "Yep, yep, <laughs> preach." Yep. Yep. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, it's good. But yeah, take us through Samantha. Um, so Samantha said, "As much as I love that Kim is fostering Michaela, I can't help but wonder if Adam had a point. Is Kim moving too fast after losing her baby? Can she just not stand the idea of seeing another kid lost? She has a strong bond with Michaela. There's no denying that. But would she have been so quick to take Michaela home if she hadn't fallen in love with the idea of being a mom from her pregnancy? Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, Casey said, okay, first off, it really bugged me that Adam basically told Kim that he wants everything that she wants. And she totally blew him off and told him that it wasn't real. Yes. She said, I do think that Adam had a point about Kim taking in Michaela. In the big picture, I think he just wants to make sure that Kim doesn't get hurt again because at this point, Michaela ends up leaving or Kim adopts her or adopts her long term. As much as I want to see Berzik together and happy, I want it to be on their own terms and not just because Kim has Michaela. That's a great point. I Yeah, it really is. Yeah, she said, it'll be interesting to see how Adam fits into this dynamic or if he even wants to. That's a great point. Like, I want... As much as I want Adam to be there for her through the Michaela thing, and I think he will, like, I don't want Bersic just to be together because of that. Right. Like, I want them to figure their own stuff out in addition to also, like, them working through the Michaela. Like, I just, I yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so. Because, yeah, if they if they only get together because of Michaela, what were the past seven seasons for? Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I don't really think we need to get into the details of the case. There's basically carjackings and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fine. Although I still don't, this is not my favorite case. I mean, it took me a hot second to figure out what was happening. And even after I figured out what was happening, I was like, okay. I definitely still have no clue what happened in this case. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's basically a bunch of foster kids committing carjackings. To cut to um on their johns and yeah it's just like it's fine it's fine okay so any other notes about PD no not I mean the Berzik stuff is really the important part anyway yeah so and it's I I'm curious to see where we go from here yeah definitely definitely so I think that's about all we've got for today um. As always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's me, this, and Molly's. All the platforms. We're actually using our Tumblr. It's the best. Um, so I yeah. still need you to make me a Mansell gif. I do need Tumblr. you to. I also so need to pull is- some audio clips for this episode. So, Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. But so. eventually, eventually. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. So, um, yeah, meet us at Molly's across all the platforms. Email us anytime about anything. It's meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. If you like the show, which we really hope you do because you've made it all the way to the end, uh, please feel free to drop us a rating and review on iTunes if you would not mind. That would greatly help other people find the show. We would really, really appreciate it. So, find us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at K 13 Don't forget that if you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month to head on over to our Patreon page. Again, the link is in our socials. Check that out. Normal schedule going forward, unless something crazy happens in the country. But Well, we know for sure that we will be here this, win- this week on Friday, mm-hmm. but we don't know... 
like, I guess we're getting, I don't know if we're getting episodes after, like, when the next new episode we'll get after that is. I guess the week after that, but I don't know. I think it is the week after that. Do we know that for sure, though? We don't have descriptions yet, but um, I think we do. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know. In the meantime, you guys stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, be kind, all that good stuff. And we'll see you on, well, I was going to say we'll see you on Friday. Really, we'll see you on Wednesday. So, yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. Keep your eyes peeled to our socials on Wednesday because Wednesday is going to be a pretty awesome day. Pretty awesome, if we do say so ourselves. Yeah. So, um, everybody have a good week and we will see you in two days. Bye.